Welcome to episode 21 of the Cheers Comics Podcast, where each week two of your friends are going to kick back a cold one and talk about their favorite comics of the week. Our show will contain some spoilers and may have some adult themes some parents might not find suitable for their children. So if you're cool with that, then join me, one of your hosts, Justin Jones, and the bombastically badass behemoth himself, Brian Wynn. Yo. How's and, uh, I'm great. And joining us once again is uh, Mason. Mason Fox. Mason Fox. He does the the the, the, the baseline. He does the things. He does some things. He's enjoying us. Things are gonna happen, but we're not gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about comic books. What did we do last? We had an episode not too long ago. Yeah, we went and saw Captain Marvel. We did. We did. So what's happened since Captain Marvel for you? Uh, I went to work. You went to work. Yeah, and I read some comic books. All right. You did not go see Captain Marvel, Mason. What have you been doing for two weeks? I have been playing a game and also working on tough stuff. Sweet. Sweet. But I have been playing a very good game called Hunt. Hunt? Oh, what do you know? You'll have to tell me about it on another format sometime. In the meantime, I have... Just uh, been breathing comics as normal, so nothing too exciting to jump in and talk about. A little bit of news, but just a little. What you got? Uh, remember how we were talking about old Mike Diodoto Jr. leaving Marvel? Yeah, gonna start his own thing. He's gonna start his own thing, and they already announced his first. Already announced his first project. Ooh, tell me all about it. Uh, I can tell you a little bit about it. It's involving uh, Mr. Jeff Lemire. That's Ooh, kind of nice. a big deal. Heck so yeah. Jeff Lemire and Mike Diodoto Jr. teaming up, and the book will be called Berserker Unbound. Right so on. So it looks like a barbarian in the city, and uh, from the art I've seen so far, it looks like a barbarian in the city. Um, I mean, nice. Diodoto's back, and he's teaming up with Jeff Lemire right off the bat. Yeah, so. I'm excited to see what he can do when he has, you know, full control of his own IP. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal, uh, but that's that's. Other than that, it's been pretty pretty light. Just want to jump into the books? Pretty pretty light. Yeah, let's. Uh, these are the books that came out on the sixth of March, uh, two thousand nineteen, and let's start with the indies. What do you got? Image Comics, uh, Paper Girls, number twenty six. So they're back. Brian, Brian Vaughn. Yeah, Brian K. Vaughn, Cliff Chang. Matt Wilson and Jared K. Fletcher. So I uh, this book came recommend highly recommended by a couple of people, and then issue twenty five came out, and uh, I didn't read it because I was told they're going on a big break. Yeah, like, well, shit. Hate to jump into something and yeah, you like that? Well, you got months to wait. Yeah. So now that it's back, I just kind of had faith I would be able to jump in with very little knowledge as to what's going on and enjoy this. And from the the like the reviews and stuff I looked at from before, it seems like it's a pretty like straightforward type of story. It's just these girls just keep getting in a wild and the crazy adventures. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and this. It just seems like these girls who, at this point, I don't, I can't really tell you their names because I'm not all that attached to the characters yet, and I feel like all the characters, the four or five paper girls that are in here, uh, aren't really in it yet. Yeah. I feel like there's aliens in this. 
There's a lot oh. of weird face melting. You know, I believe it because after I uh, really got into Saga and I knew they were taking a long break, I decided to check out one of their uh, Brian's projects, Paper Girls, and you know, I read the first four issues and I liked it. Um, still have a long way to go to catch up. Yeah, no, this is uh, this is wild, wacky stuff. I feel like you know, it's not really something that you need to be completely tied to to be able to just jump in. That's my take. Like, obviously, it's going to take a few issues to get to know these characters, but I feel like if I, you know, within the next five issues, I don't feel like I really needed to go back and read the read yeah. the previous twenty-five. Just jump on now and take you take it where it takes you. Yeah. It's a very interesting art style. It's very sharp. Everything is sharp. There are not any real stray lines. Yeah. No. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Mr. Uh, Cliff Chang. And Matt Wilson, along with, uh, yeah, no, those, those are your artists. So yeah, no, it's a, it's, it's a very interesting style of art. It's an, it's, I would say it's an acquired taste. It's not hyper detailed by any means. It gets the point across. The, the, the color scheme is. No, it's, it's, it's realistic but simplified. Almost. Oh, like, very simplified. Um, the, like the cartoon style that Adam Reed is known for at this point. Sure. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like I like the use of colors. You know, just a lot of like base tones and these like bright splashes of these neon colors. Oh yeah. No, it's like it goes. You know, teal, 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 yellow, teal, 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 yellow, bright yellow, pink. yellow, yellow, yeah. teal, and then just tan, and then orange. So it's 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 all in your face, but at the same time not overwhelming. Because for a while you're thinking like, oh, this this color. It's like, oh shoot, it's back. And I, th- I have to thank the color for that, and it plays well with the whatever. The thing is, is that I just, I, I can't really say a whole lot about it, because I, I don't know these girls yet. I, I know how you feel. I plan on getting to know them after this. You know, you, you're such a big fan of Brian K. Vaughn, and that's what drew me into it. Other, other than the fact that, like, three times in the, the same week, it's just from all different angles, everyone's like, oh, Paper Girls is the shit. And I'm like, why am I not reading this? And then, like I said, 25 came out. Yep. And then as soon as I picked it up, I heard that this is the last issue for a while, and yeah. So you cursed it. It's what I do. What I do. The curse of the, what are the, the bombastic, what? I, mean, I, I can only say it once. I, the words are gone. Oh, it's part of the curse. Yeah. You can only say it once. This is a Justin book coming up. More Image Comics Die, number four. Kieran Gillen and okay. Stephanie Hans. So, I read it, like I said I would. But I'm still in the same boat as last. Yeah, not your story, huh? Still not my story. I'm reading it because I know that there's something huge happening with this. I'm collecting it for financial speculation at this point because Kieran Gillen is putting out all types of fun merch and stuff, like an advent calendar and all of this stuff, like creating a game out of it. So once all of this stuff's out, these books are going to be worth something. I have a feeling it's going to get picked up by Netflix or Hulu or something. That's just That's me. possible, yeah. Because uh, I think after the next issue, they're going to release the free PDF on the on the game. So gotcha. Definitely going to be picking that up. Right on. And I'm also reading it to appease uh, you. So. Yeah, well, fair <laughs> enough. Again, I like the artwork. No, uh, the art. The art does a great job. And the art's great. It's it's a typical D and D style story. I, I like it. You know, like. And they're very self-aware that this is a game, and they use all the known tropes to it. I, I can say that I, I will say that if I had to guess what the one thing holding me back was, it was the fact that they made up their own set of classes. 
and you know because I don't know what a um, oh, I can't even think of any of them off the off the top of my head. Name some of the classes. Like oh, we got the grief night. Yeah, like the grief night. Like I well, I would he relate to, to like a cleric. I'm like trying to relate it to what. No, it was. So he, he's it's he, completely more like, like an eldritch knight. You know, it's like magical, but in, instead of like using magic points or spell slots. He channels his own depression because right. he was a it's depressed a cr- teenager. That's not a class that's in D and D. No, no, it's not. But like, again, that's why it's so hard for me to like, says, like suck into this. Is because Soul created his own game. Uh, I know. No, I I, I get that. I yeah. totally get that. My point is, is that, that I think that's why it's hard for me to get in is because I'm like trying to get into D and D, and then oh, this well, book okay. comes along, and I'm like, is, trying to learn all the classes for this, and this has all this made up shit, and, and, and some of the like. Appearance of D and D, but no, this is a completely original. No, it's story. This is very right. original. Very. Let very me tell you about this one though. So this yeah. one, we, our, our party, you know, they're still traveling. Their cleric, uh, Isabel, I believe it was. Yeah, Isabel. She's the Godbinder. She makes pacts and promises with the gods, and they give do her favors. That's how she heals. Um. Well, she had overextended herself in the last battle, and she is now injured. Uh, and her gods say that, you know, she's already in too much debt with them. So they're looking for help, and they find a place they've never been to, but they knew about, called Glasstown. And Glasstown seems to have changed. It's got this giant shield in it that's in the shape of a D20. And, you know, so they get there, and they knock on the glass, and somebody comes out and says, Who's there? Oh, I recognize you guys. Uh, And he lets them in. So while Isabel goes to the temple, and, you know, she's instantly healed, and the clerics there say, Oh, it's a miracle. Well, her god only has one favor for her. She wants her to read to the followers of this church, to the disciples. And what is she reading? She's reading pages from her own diary. Mm. I thought that was, a, that was a kind of cool little touch. While the rest of the team is at a tavern with some dwarves, overly drinking. Overly drinking? Not a dwarf. Well, not, you know, hey, you know. They're drinking just the right amount, then. Just the perfect amount. Yeah. Um, oh, speaking of drinking. This <laughs> dialogue at this point, you know, they're saying that they need to defeat the Game Master, which has become Saul. I was trying to they segue f- into our beer. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. I'm going to pause you for a second. Oh, I'm sorry. I know you, you're staring your laser beams through me right now, but we forgot to talk about the beer. So we're going to talk about it real quick. Justin's pick of the week was Cerveza Modelo Especial. Uh, this was from the year 1925. It's a fine beer. <laughs> uh, so yeah, thank you, brewed in Mexico. Yeah, no, yeah, it's I have really an important. interesting question as to why a beer that is brewed in Mexico is imported by a company in Chicago. Money, I guarantee, has something to do with money. Well, I'm sure it has something to do with money, but wouldn't it make more sense for like a beer that's brewed in Mexico to be imported by like a company in Texas? Possibly, I don't know. Maybe Texas doesn't. I you know, know. Anheuser Busch, something like that. Lower tax laws, maybe. I don't know. Very much, possibly. All right. So the dwarves are drunk from the beer that we're drinking. This is a lot of dialogue between them all. Okay. Um, we do come to a realization. Angela, she's the one who wanted to be a cyberpunk. You know, they're they're all talking like, well, I'm not sure if you guys have noticed, but I've used since we've been here, I've used my powers. I've used all of my powers except one, and I'm afraid to use it because if I don't get a fair bit of gold every day. I'll have to watch him die again. One of the dwarves who were drinking said, Well, milady, I have a fair bit of gold. He hands her the gold, saying that he would just drink it away anyway. 
So she puts it behind her neck like she does all of her abilities and activates subatomic uh, system, and a cyborg dog appears mm-hmm. named Case. So we got a new member. We do. A cyborg dog. Yep. What was his name? Case. Case, we got a first appearance here. Yep. All right. So when this shows the Hulu hit, yep. remember, issue four of Die. So, uh, yeah. No, they... During their talking, you know, the uh, elders of the city were looking for the best way for them to get to Saul so they could get out of this game. And, of course, you say, oh, well, sorry, we have bad news. There are three dungeons with 12 levels you must go through and defeat the 12 challenges to get the three keys to enter the city. And you're like, oh, fucking A, so railroading. So math. Well, one of them has a better idea. Says, well, instead of that... I bet he'll come to us if we destroy the city you spent so much time creating. And that's where it leaves off. Son of a bitch. Uh, on this, is this the Grief Knight on the cover there? Is that what I'm looking that's at? That's the Grief Knight, yeah. Oh, see, I'm learning. I'm learning. It's a freaking well, sweet cover. What I like is that... Uh, the dice pattern. I listened to, to a, uh, a podcast interview with Stephanie and Kieran, and they were talking about the game a little bit, and they said they've, they've developed seven, I believe, different knight classes, and they only show one in the, in the book. The Grief Knight, but there's seven different types. Hmm. So they, they put a, a lot of work into their world. Oh, very much so. Like I follow uh, Karen on Twitter, and constantly like getting input from the fans. And I, I like his storytelling. I, I'm gonna have to jump in onto the Wicked and Divine. I think. Yeah. 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 No, at this point, I have. I mean, it's not. It's not that I don't like the storytelling style. It's just. This is a hard genre for me to get into. It always has been. Fair enough, fair enough. I mean, it took me this long to get into D&D and all that stuff, so then throw a whole new, like, everything on top of I it. I understand, yeah. yeah. I'm sure you of all people would understand. Yeah, it's it's a Pandora box for sure. Yes, Pandora E indeed. What do we got there? Oh, yes, next book. Super excited for this one. From Boom Studios, Ronan Island, number one, Greg Peck, Giannis... Milo Giannis. Alright. Giannis Milo. Milo no Giannis. Take three. Giannis Milo no Giannis. Ah, yeah, I think we have a winner. Irma Nevilla. I'm so sorry, guys. We're bad at names. Oh, you. That's not going to change. Yeah. Maybe one day, but no. This wasn't the one. This wasn't the one that changed it. So, and the cover, I decided to go with the David LaFuente and Germán Garcia cover B. And actually, this is the cover that sold me on the book. I was not going to pick up this book. I was on the fence. It's already a heavy week. And I, uh... I looked at this, and they had the variant sitting on the shelf in, in front, and I was like, oh... That art is cool, man. And there's, I mean, it's very, I hate this, it's like bland color-wise, but just all that Oh, yeah, but ink, it's a very man. classic style. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's, it's very Eastern style. So then, so when I saw this, I was like, I have a feeling this is not going to be my book. Yeah. I just, I, then I opened it up and I was like, Power Rangers? Oh, Boom Studios. I'm sorry, the art just reminds me of, like, Power Rangers that I'm reading. Go, go. And I started reading it. And it, the first couple pages, I w- did you read this as well, right? Yep. The first couple pages, I was like, oh, this might be kind of cutesy or whatever, you know. And then it starts as, as the story it goes off on. It starts kind of cutesy for sure. Yeah, and as the story goes on, you realize like, oh, this 
Okay. No, something this, bigger happening. Yeah, something, something bigger is happening. You know, let's go ahead and talk about this, because I'm actually very excited. I think this deserves a proper rundown. So we've got a couple of characters here. We've got Kenshi. It's, it's graduation day for uh, Hana and Kenshi. Kenshi is the more privileged boy, if he you will. He is a nobleman's son. Yes. And Hana is uh, a... Korean orphan. Yep. Those are good words, because that's exactly what they are. So they're doing the graduation day ceremony, which seems to be some sort of race. And there's clearly, like, some, you know, tension, air quotes, They're between the two. They're competing to see who's top of the graduation, I guess. Yeah, they yeah. They have to race down the, the village, and then they have to get into a boat, go around a dinghy, and then come back and ring a bell. You know, and they're hindering each other left and right, like, smacking the helmet forward, to, you know, blah, 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 and tripping each other up. And then for the first time ever, they have a, a tie. And they're like, oh, that's crazy. It's a tie. Because I'm pretty sure that's exactly how they said it, too. And all of a sudden, they hear the, oh, and that's always bad in the China. Asian alarm. Uh, yeah, that means bad stuff's happened, and then the color color scheme change to bad. Like, And that's, the color scheme is totally what makes you realize that, oh, this ain't a kid's book at all. Uh, just, I mean, at least that's what I got out of it. I was like, this is about to turn dark. Not necessarily not for kids, but it just more gripping towards the adult. Because the art style itself, one would think, like, oh, this might be trying to draw on the kids. Yeah, I definitely felt like that at the very beginning, for sure. But as it went on, you realize, and especially as the next character approaches, uh, he, that would be, oh, man, I took so many notes on General, General Sato. Yeah, there we go. Sato. How would you say that? Sato. Sato. He rolls up, and, you know, you're kind of thinking, like, oh, he's just going to slaughter all these people. This is going to be terrifying. And he's like, no, check it out. You know, I represent the Shogun. And then we get this, like, wait, there hasn't been a Shogun in five years. Like, I'm pretty sure you're, uh, you're tugging on our, yeah, uh, talking about the wind that came through. I guess it brought a disease or a yeah, poison. Uh, yeah, like this, this Ronin Island, if you will. I guess we should, like, state that out there on this island full yeah. of Ronins. And if you're not familiar with a Ronin is, they're it's a masterless a uh, master, samurai. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yes. So, we've got this whole island, but they're survivors. They survived the, the, the bad wind. And so, yeah, then this guy rolls up, and he's like, so check it out. You're going to, like, help us out, but we're going to provide protection. They're like, well, I don't, we don't know who you, if you say who you, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of people who could, who could claim that. We don't know if you're the real deal. Let's right. parlay. Right. And then just as, uh, oh, what's uh, Hana's master's name? Uh, Elder Jin. She's pretty much... Uh, Consulting, uh, General Sato. Consoling? Consulting? Consulting. I don't know. Probably something Thomas Word. With a C. So, yes, they're, uh... A word with a C. As, as they're talking, um, you realize that, you know, General Sato isn't full of shit. Like, he is actually there to help them. And he looks in the distance, and you see, like, these crazy monster, zombie, goofy, crazy blood. I say crazy twice. Because they're crazy looking. Undead yokai. Yeah. And they're attacking the, 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 the this island. And then all of a sudden, uh, Elder Jin's like, you know what? You're right. Attack. Uh, full arms. And then you just like get this. Arr! She's front, front of the line, man. That is so cool. You knew she was secretly a ninja, for sure. Oh, no, totally. I mean, she was the master. I mean, she's the master. So, of, you know... Uh, I gotta. Re- I'm gonna say her name again because I want to remember it. Hana. No, that would be the other guy. That was her. That was her. Oh, teacher. okay. So uh, this is just the elder. The I think she's kind of the figurehead of the, of the village. Yeah, but it, well, okay. 
whatever. She's she's badass. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. I immediately knew she was badass because you know she was one of the the kids' coaches. And, yeah, hopefully and she doesn't just die next issue. Oh, that sucks. But yeah, no, I just I like how she's leading the way and the charge into the battle. Like, you, you, yeah, I immediately like General Sato as soon as he showed up too, thinking that he might be a bad guy because I got the Master Shredder vibe. Oh, definitely, definitely. Uh, but like, like if Master Shredder were an anti-hero, yeah. But that's they, well, this wasn't a Neil or Parrish. Like, this isn't a Neil where you're gonna die. This is a or we're gonna kill you. This is a Neil or they're gonna get you. Okay. <laughs> it's, so I, I do like how you know, he's. He's right there with the rest of them. I, I suspect, like, based off, you know, just the cover, the, the the synopsis of the story, I suspected this to be a very, like, blah, 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 type of story, and that's not what this was at all. This was I, very I, I well I didn't know about it going into it, and no, I'm was, looking forward to issue two. This is a very good um, uh, impulse grab, for sure. And you gotta thank the cover for that, because it's not that I didn't like the original cover, it's just I didn't see this cover in the solicits, so. Nope, that's what got me. So, freaking Boom Studios, man. What else you got for indies? Uh, I've got Self Made, number four. We've got Matthew Groom on writing, art done by Eduardo Farigato, and colors by Marcelo Costa. Okay. So this one, uh, we, we are no longer in the video game. We had Dr. Beck last time who was fired from her job, and we saw that she took this, like, data orb that had Amala, our artificial intelligence, with it. Well, now they've been working, she's been working for months to bring her consciousness back into a robotic body with some help from a guy named James. She's successful. Uh, Amala's brought back. You know, she's, she's in a robotic body. She, her consciousness is here. And she's having a hard time coping. Um, her and James have a little heart-to-heart, and they decide to sneak out so she can kind of get a breath of fresh air, as it were. Well, things go wrong when somebody grabs Amala, who just, they just think she's a robot, and this robot starts kicking people's asses. They call it in, and the cops get this call of, hey, you know, there's a ro- robot out there hurting people. We need you to go shut it down. And it seems to match a description by one of our corporate sponsors, neutralize it and any of anybody she's hanging out with. So they go to do just that. But this robot's kicking all these cops' asses. Finally gets cornered, and right before she gets blasted, our Dr. Beck comes screeching in with a car and hits the last officer, and they have a little bit of a high-speed chase. Just a little bit of one? Yep. They do get away, and they go into these underground tunnels that are unmapped. And Beck and Amala have a little conversation, little discussion there, and Amala thinks this is now another game that she needs to beat to get out of, that she's going to find Beck's creator and confront them. So she leaves the doctor, and we now have a rogue artificial intelligence off on her own. Shit. I'm liking the art in this. Yeah, I do like the art. Um, the story took me a little bit left ball. I thought we would get like a lot of like really cool fantasy sci-fi settings with uh, video games, but... No, let me just, we get now current, slightly dystopia Earth. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. It's a good sci-fi story. Yeah. Like it. Oh, yeah. Digging it. Digging it. Uh, do we got any more indies? I've got two more indies. All right. Uh, I've got Dreaming, number seven. Oh, we get Simon a Spurrier, Abigail Larson, and Quentin Winter. Sweet. All right. Well, let's talk about Dreaming. Please tell me all about Dreaming. 
I'm not going to tell you all about it. Just a little bit. A little bit. So we've got this girl, Ivy. She's got, like, feathers for ears, and she has gifts delivered to her every day. She never knows why or by whom, and she's kind of powerful. She just woke up and dreaming one day, no memories. We find out later on that the dream keeper or, the, you know, the, the lord magician of dreaming is gone. He's just, he's just vanished. Well, now there's a big crack in the sky, and other things are able to seep in and corrupt them because his corruption, his protection is not there. Well, this big guy with an, with a pumpkin for a head opened up a trunk by the dreamer and let out the man known as the judge. And the judge kind of grabs some magic and is now ruling dreaming with an iron fist and. Turns out Ivy's powerful. You know, she goes to fight back and she's kicking his butt. But he knows her weakness. He tells her that she's not real, and that crushes her. You know, those are the words that destroy her. Well, uh, she is able to fight back on him eventually, and she destroys him. And that was boom. Pretty much all you have to know for issue six. Issue seven is a bit different. We've got this woman Rose. Her mother is dying in the hospital. We're in Brighton, England now. We're no longer in dreaming. We're now in the real world. And this woman, she's having a conversation with her mother and the nurse, and then she wants to see the other man that she let into the hospital that she found. Well, it comes to find out it's the librarian, the man that was helping Ivy in the dream. Now, he's unconscious in a hospital bed, or mostly unconscious. And Rose has this long conversation about how She's like 50 years old or something like that, and she hasn't aged a day since she was 28. Mm -hmm. People fall in love with her, but it always ends tragically. And then she met a man who I think this might be dreaming. Uh, he's this white, godly figure, and they had a romance, but again, like always, it ended. Well, Rose had a daughter named Ivy, and Ivy was always very talented. She was a tattoo artist, but she was always a little bit more... Controlled a little bit more cut off because of her seeing her mother, you know, with all these flyaway romances. Rose decided to introduce Ivy with this gentleman, and they hit it off. Oh boy! But Rose know. goes, uh, she's visited by a stranger who shows them a shows her a like cult type thing. These robed figures chanting, and they've got some of Ivy's hair. Well, it turns out they're controlling her. Instead of doing the normal tattoo that she wanted to do, she's doing some kind of enchantment that is weakening the dreamer. And that's mostly where it leaves off. So, huh, it's a bit bit different of a story. It was not at all what I had anticipated. But mm -hmm. No, I did not. Welcome to the Sandman universe. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I'm still dipping my toe in. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty nuts. I'm liking it so far, it's just... It, I, I'm having a hard time, like, really nailing it down to talk about, but... Pretty, pretty, pretty nuts. But I like it, you know? Yeah, it's, well, it's like Lucifer weird, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Like and last up for indies, I've got Oberon, number two. Um, I kind of talked about it last time it was on. you got this little girl who's kidnapped by this fairy king because her parents aren't really her parents, blah, 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 now she's in the fantasy world. We get a little bit more of a look into who this fairy king is and apparently he married a fairy queen who betrayed him and took his throne blah 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 
Well, he has his own dark purposes for her, at least so we think. And he takes her to a a witch called Mother May. And Mother May wants to test her to see if she is magical, if she is what the fairy king thinks he is. And there's Does a... Does he have a minion called Puck? No. <laughs> he does have a minion, but it's not even Puck. Um, fuck, you tra- fuck me up here. Uh, so Mary, Mother May takes her to this labyrinth, you know, saying that this labyrinth was created by a powerful mage who wanted to test his children. Well, when all of his children perished in the maze... He left it with Mother May to safekeep. And so Mother May is there, and Mother May knows that if this little girl is to try to get out, she's got to do it on her own. She's got to have her own magical abilities manifest. And so she leaves her. And we've got this little girl lost in this maze. But before she went in, she was warned to avoid the pig. In the last panel, we've got this giant, grotesque pig man standing over her. I don't know. It's, it's an interesting story. Uh, uh, this, this in, it's interesting. Art. I like the artwork, yeah, for sure. It's very good art. I think this one has a lot of promise. Uh, before, in the last issue, we had this uh, little sub-story about how there's this lantern that was always guarded by this family, except for one generation because he wanted to be an actor or dancer or something. This one guard, this little frog guy, always standing guard. Well, his friend comes over... And he's been, his head chopped off, and his head has been mounted on top of his lamppost. So they're showing that they're willing to go dark and grotesque. Oh, yeah, man. Well, that's from Aftershock Comics, Ryan Perot and Milos Slokovic. Yep. The pig man look like if you gave him a baby Ruth, he'd be all right. <laughs> I know. Baby Ruth. <laughs> he did look a little slothish. It's like sloth meets, um, uh, oh, man, Bebop. Wait, hold on. No, I'm, not, I'm thinking the wrong guy. Who's the pig bad guy? In, I think in that's Bebop, because Rock said he's a rhino. No, but uh, there's a different pill. Uh, I don't know. Kind of looked a little bit like uh, uh, Kill, whatever, from Green Lantern. Well, shoot. I don't know. It's just a great combination of amazingness. Yeah. Kilowog, kind of, a little so bit. Whatever you say. Yeah, Kilowog, that's the one. Well, that's all the Indies I got. You got any more? Mm, no. I do not. Let's move on to DC Green Lantern. I forgot to read this book. That's all right, because I did read it. Uh, again, it's another Grant Morrison and Liam Sharp book. Yes, gotta love it. Greg so, Olaf doing the colors. Don't forget Olaf. Olaf's doing, doing a great job. So last time we left off, our man Lantern was talking to this Countess of the Black Stars, and he says that he wants to join them. So now we've got uh, Hal Jordan in shackles, led to a really, like, gothic, horror-vibed mansion area place. It's pretty freaking sweet. Yeah. Uh, this place is called Vor, and he is now to go through this place to experience the trials to see if he's really ready to join the Black Stars. So we have this beautifully drawn trial of him going down dungeons and dark forests into miasmic fogs and swamps, fighting headless horsemen and stuff, and eventually he's told that his restraints aren't real restraints. He's climbing up a cliff, and the Countess says, well, I have the cure, you know, these vestiges I wear, but you have to get, you have to kill me to get to them. Without me, there is no cure. But instead of fighting her, he says, well, to do this, we have to do this together. 
And that was the trial that he had to face, to, sh- to see if he could really put his ego away and, and if he was ready to be a dark star, a black star. And so he joins them. But a couple weeks ago, we had him... Oh, God, what is the uh, the council people? Eons? Ah, <laughs> oh, shoot, what are they? I forget. Anyway, he's with good. them, and... He was told, how Jordan is told by them that there is a traitor among them. And who is that traitor? Well, why Hal Jordan? It's you. Or at least we want the world to think it's you. Oh, so, of course, he's, oh, he's undercover, you know, to, to join the Black Star, to find out their technologically advanced weapons, and to neutralize them as a threat. Does he know that he looks like Buzz Lightyear? <laughs> yeah, for a couple panels, he kind of does, for sure. I'm okay with that. Oh, man, Liam Sharp just can't stop amazing me. This is man, so every good. single page is incredible. Every single page. Even if I didn't like the story, I keep coming back to this amazing art. It's, uh, they don't make them like this anymore, boys. Except they do. They do, sometimes. just <laughs> Only, yeah, they do. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving along, you want to tell us about Batman this week? I would love to talk about Batman. Tom King's back. Batman number 60. He is definitely back. Yes, he is. Along with, who else did this book? Jorge Fornes and Dave Stewart on the arts. So, uh, oh, and Mikel Janine, best part of this book was the cover. That, that cover, though. Whew. So we're back to the Nightmares thing. Not the Flash, the price thing, because, once again, Tom King's back. So, uh, Nightmares Part 4. Remember how we had the whole Penguin thing, and he's been going through all these Nightmare sequences, and so we got another one. This one, it involves a very noir type of interview, a very Tom King type of interview with the question, not to be confused with Rorschach. Because uh, I kind of thought for a second. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that was the yeah, first no. person I thought of. No, that's the question. And they even kind of stay in there, too. Like, oh, Lord, I'm the question. That's the question. And it's, I know, it's, yeah, kind of like the whole who thing. Like, oh, it's the who. The who? Whatever. Bad joke. So, uh, and that's kind of the point of this book, I think. Sorry. This is the question trying to get answers out of Selena as to why she left Bruce. And she ain't answering. I made a, I left a note. Read the note. Yeah. And it's not good enough. And you're, Bruce is never going to be the same. And nothing uh, can be fixed if he doesn't know the answer to this question. And it ends with them not answering the question. Well, kind Be- of. I mean, she, again, she goes back to, I, read, I, read, I wrote a note. I left a note. I left a note. I read the note. And at the very end, at the very bottom, I lied. Yeah. Ugh. Alright. Yeah, I don't know. This is this is a very Tom Kingy. Very Tom Kingy. I think it's starting to become a an adjective. Tom Kingy. Like it's it's like he's a descriptive word now. Uh, he's definitely got his own style. Oh yeah. For sure. Um, if you tell a very weird story it's uh you Tom Kinged it. <laughs> he, he likes to play the long game. You know, you know. I I mean I have faith. It's all gonna circle around and I'm gonna enjoy it. I mean it started out super strong, it's just I kind of 
I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand what we got out. Of. I mean, it wasn't the strongest issue, but I think it's a small piece of a larger picture. Well, you can still kind of tell that he was rushed going back, coming back from his meeting. He's like, okay, well, I signed over the two, and I gotta crap something out real quick. And I kind of have a feeling that's what this yeah, was, to be honest. Maybe. Uh, even the art, I feel, was just a very simplistic style. I mean, it could be a I mean, great style I for some. What they're trying to do it, it, it matches the tone. Oh yeah, no, the art matches the tone for sure. It's just. It's it's no Lee Weeks or... It's not the most exciting issue, for sure. No, no. Uh, actually, I could say since issue 50, since I started reading it again, it's been the least exciting issue. But the cover is very redeeming, I'll give it that. And there definitely is some intrigue to be had as far as the whole, okay, I lied thing at the end. It's the, you know, the end, question mark. And we're of circling back around yeah. to, you know, Celine left Bruce at the altar... And now it's kind of coming back. You know, uh, I'm going to go ahead and make a bold prediction. I know a lot of people table flipped on issue 50 when the wedding never happened and all that. Mm-hmm. But I have a feeling knowing Tom King at this point, I mean, we go way back. I saw him at like two conventions now for like five minutes, so I know enough about him. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say that actually issue number 100, and I, I, actually I'm going to try to be a little more precise and say issue 99 unsolicited there will be a low-key marriage between selena and batman i think he's not i think he's he's gonna make it happen he just has to do things in his tom king way and like put up the smoke and mirrors and teach you a lesson along teach the way. you a lesson like not to you know commit to all 90 variant issues of a <laughs> completely non-pivotal book <laughs> so yeah um i wouldn't suspect for there to be a buttload of variants I don't think that it would make sense for them to do it at issue 100, or maybe it would make perfect sense for them to do it at issue 100, because it's already going to be a milestone issue. You know they're going to put out 200 freaking variants for that regardless. I just think there should be a secret wedding involved, and I would suspect it's going to be towards the end of his run, which will be between, you know, 100 and 110 issues. So I, I think it's going to happen at 99, and then he's going to be able to have a few issues to play around with the marriage of them two. Because you don't just, like, marry him and then be like, okay, I'm out. Like, you gotta you got to mess with that for a while. Like, you're, you're the first one. You created the marriage. you got to, you, I mean, you got to... You gotta diddle it a little bit. Yeah, with Tom King, I, <laughs> I really have no idea. Oh, I... I told you, I do. I know the guy. We've yeah. spoken for like a total of ten minutes. So. And I completely, 100% believe that you know 100% what's going to happen. As well you should. Yep. Have I ever been wrong in anything in the history of the world, Justin? Moving along. <laughs> Mason, I have a... <laughs> <laughs> Moving along. Guys. <laughs> Justice League number 19, still in the realm of DC. Scott Snyder. Jorge Jimenez and Alejandro why Sanchez. Is, why is the, the Daily Beat? Uh, you will, you will, you will find out. Daily oh Planet, you boy, know, eating Superman. You, you are will. gonna find out. Okay, guys, I'm gonna. Why, go why is a car eating Wonder Woman? Y- again, you will find out. This is great. This cover is very. Uh, it they clues you in as to what's why happening. Why are we advertising for Jason Momoa? Well, Aquaman, man. <laughs> it's a comic book. They got to put. It's a DC comic book. They got to put in thirteen ads. Yeah. So, this, from cover to cover, story to story, has re-sparked my interest in Justice League. 
I've been on the fence, kind of just reading it because I feel like I need to know what's happening in Justice League. I, I'm not going to lie. I've been reading Justice League for the last ten issues under an obligation to you guys because to not be able to spout out, it's like me not, you know, giving information on Avengers. It's just, if you're reading comics, you got to know this shit. Or, a lot of people would like to know this shit. This restores my faith in Justice League. I hope Snyder can keep this tone without doing his whoopsie doody, you know, super Shakespearean type of storytelling. For a lot of people, it's not for me. So, let's start out. I think this this is a book worth really digging into. It starts out with old Clark Kent being yelled at by his boss. He's like, oh, that paper was due and blah, blah, blah. And Clark has a, a different, he's typing up a different story. And meanwhile, he's got to go. The editor is like, oh, no, you got to have this paper so Clark sneezes. And then he, like, does his super speedy fingers and types up the Drowned Earth. Yeah. And does a report on Drowned, Drowned Earth. Drowned Earth, that's catchy. Yeah. And then, you know, he skedaddles on out of there. On to meet up with the Justice League. Well, he thinks he's meeting up with the Justice League. It turns out it's just a bunch of firefighters. But they actually, the Justice League, they're all in disguise. The Tonotomous disguise, though. Yeah, yeah, so that's kind of cool. Um, but then, you know, we... <laughs> I, I forget how the warning comes in. Or I think Superman just gets his, like, oh, Martian shit. Martian Manhunter has a telepathic link with all of them, and Batman says, oh, it's here, Martian Manhunter did his thing. Right, right. I, I just forget how Superman automatically knows it's uh, <laughs> the, his most feared villain. It's not Doomsday. Well, because they set it up. Remember they say they're like, we made the winter apocalypse thing, so he thought it was time for him to come back. They, they, they set this whole thing up to capture him. They're trying to catch Mr. Mixelplick? Yeah, yeah. Okay, by the way, it's Mr. Mixelplick. And as soon as that happens, I realize that, oh shit, Snyder, he's, he's he knows how to be fun, too. Not everything has to be all dark and, mm, I'm Batman. Like, Mr. Mixelplick, thank you. This is a fun villain. Very, very evil, bad, scary villain, though. And this is why we get the, your, uh, why is the Daily Planet attacking Wayne Enterprises? Yeah. And, well, it's because Mr. Mixelplex is making it happen. He opens up the powers of the fifth dimension, and he has the daily planet eating the wing building. And yeah. the cars attacking them, and all those stuff. And uh, Green Lantern looking like a light bulb clown. and <laughs> <laughs> It's great. I freak, This is why I love Mixelplex, because anything is possible. Absolutely anything is possible. It's just, you can just give it to the artist and say, you know, just... Make gumball fists, because why not? Uh, this is, uh. So after a very fun uh, battle, after a few pages, Marsh, Martian Manor comes in and does his, like, The power of Christ compels you on Mixelplick and makes his, uh, and subconsciously makes him say his name backwards. Cause well, I think this whole time they've had him captured. They just had Martian Manhunter in his head, making him think that he oh, wasn't. Oh, did I miss something? Okay. I, I, think, I, I think so. Maybe I misread it. I yeah, because they have him subconsciously saying his name backwards in his head, and if he tries to fight it, he'll actually say it. Hmm. Okay, maybe that's what's going on. Maybe that's where he went all snidery on me. I'm not mad at it though. It's 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 out. so. Then you get to, at this point, Mixelplick. He like kind of lays down this sob story. He's like, so the sixth dimension is in some shit, dog. And there is no sixth dimension, but yes, there really is. But meanwhile, like y'all shouldn't be messing with that Perpetua bitch. Perpetua, what's her name? Perpetua. 
Perpetua. Perpetua. Perpetua. It's Perpetua. Yeah, Perpetua. I had it right the first time. I always question myself since I've been saying that one name wrong the whole time and you corrected me. <laughs> now I'm like, oh, oh I'm probably... Stephanie? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. So, yeah, no, um, Mixoplex is explaining the dangers of, you know, the Legion of Doom actually having per, uh, Perpetua. And, you know, all of us sitting around powwowing, uh, <laughs> freaking, this is when Mixoplex is like, oh, yeah, no, uh, Sixth Dimension, us imps is... We need some help. The only person that can, you know, tolerate to go there without being driven mad would be Shabwinky, Superman, and uh, Superman's like, oh, well, I guess if that's what it takes. And so Superman goes to the sixth dimension yeah, and this cosmic door. That yeah. He walks through. And then like 46 milliseconds later, he comes back and he's old man superman old man superman uh future superman is what he goes by and this design is dope if you watch the youtube i'm definitely gonna post thumbnails of this but he's all gold and sparkly and white and gray and it's a cool superman design. yeah it's a great design so he's like oh yeah no check it out like we won like everything we cool I came back. I how we did it. Yeah, no. Come to the sixth dimension. We're gonna show you some stuff. So they bring the Legion of, or um, the the Justice League in. I love that the it actually has like a door with a door knob. It totally does. It totally does. What else would it have? Uh, well, uh, this is the Snyderverse, like man. A, <laughs> a circular portal, anything. Yeah. But, like, there are a thousand and one things it could be. It's just funny. It's a piece of space with a doorknob. And yeah. even the door is cosmic. Like, yeah. it's... Uh, I, 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 I like that you pointed out the design because it's something I noticed myself. That whole panel is just very... Yeah. As much as I like Future Superman, the rest of the Future League, wow. Yeah, no, it great gets, design. It gets better. So, yeah, no, they, the, the whole Justice League, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm Batman. I'll go see what's up. So they show up, and then they take them through, and you see the Hall of Justice. And then, yeah, this is where you get the, the, the Future Justice League. And the first thing that pointed out to me, there's, there's a lot of things that jumped out to me right off the bat. The first one was the fact that Hot Girl and Martian Man had her boned and made a Martian Man Girl Hawk Martian Man Hawk? Martian Man Hawk. Martian Man Child. Yeah. <laughs> Martian Child Hawk. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and the other thing that really stood out to me was future Batman looks like the color scheme very reminiscent to Batman Beyond. Yep. Definitely. So I was like, oh, okay. I guess very like ninja esque with like this Victorian oh, yeah, owl no, they, kind of. I, I don't know. I really like it. Wonder Woman, she's just bad, bad arse. Yeah. Uh, Green Lantern looks like um, minty blue lantern. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a whole trio of flashes. So yeah, no, this is the Future Justice League. And then at the very bottom, this is when shit gets crazy, because you hear Superman, you see Superman's little um, thought bubble, when it says, what's happening, you're like, wait a second, but Superman, you're showing us what's happening, Superman, future Superman, you're showing us, nope, turns out, it's a trap, Mixoplick trapped Superman into this hellish abyss down below where there is no sunlight, wherefore Superman can't get no powers, and, uh, yeah, who is the future Superman? Because he's fucking shit up. Um, I very, 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 very much enjoyed this story. Me too. This, I'm this, glad you told me to read this one. And I, I, I know how you are. I, I judged your reactions with me talking about Justice League so far, and I could tell it's not a Justin book, but when I read this one, I was like, if there's a book, if, there, if there's ever a time to try to convince you 
It was this one, for sure. I mean, this is hands down the strongest yeah. issue. You know, it's not that I have anything against the Justice League. I just think those characters are usually so much stronger in their own story. I don't... I usually don't care for them as a, as a team composition well, as much. It as was much the, like it was the, the Avengers. It was the every fifth like book being dedicated to Legion of Doom that has really kept me on myself. Like like yeah. I've already explained why I'm you know still reading, but as far as like for my own enjoyment, I always liked uh, James Tenney and the Force Legion of Doom issues. But then the last one was like. <sighs> Dude, it's kind of weak, man. What's happening? Like, well, you suckered me in. Now, I, now I have to know what happened. Well, I think anything that involves Mixelplick, like even in the last Superman issue, I think I read had mm-hmm. some, or one of the more recent Superman issues I read. You have Mixelplick. talked about him recently. Yeah, I, I feel like we're getting a lot of that lately. When it like, just like even in Marvel, when we got Spider-Man, like Rhino was in like three different Spider-Man books, two or three different Spider-Man books going on at once. So. It's like when they're using a villain, they're, like, using a villain. Yeah, it's board meeting. Hey, guys, do whatever you want in your own story. Yeah. This want, we want this in there. Right. Like, who well, else? We don't know how it works, while. but that's what it feels like. No, I'm, uh, yeah. You know, it's... I mean, definitely getting hints of that pattern for sure. Uh, on, it was a very light DC week, though. I don't have any other DC books. It was, it was a glamorous week as far as covers go. We'll get to that on a different segment. Uh, I did have one more. Oh, what you got? I have Harley Quinn, issue 59, by Adam Glass, Christopher Priest, Bernard Chang, and Carlo Paquelian. Sweet. I know this is a book that I've been hoping that one of us would have time to read eventually. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking for something a little fun, a little bit lighthearted. I found it, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's bright and vibrant. It's very Harley Quinn. I, I can't read her dialogue without, you know, getting that Brooklyn accent in my head. We start off with uh, her waking up from a dream. Uh, no, uh, we've got her and her friend Tina at a dump tank. A dump tank? Tell me what a dump tank is uh, right now. You know when you throw a ball and hit the sign and it dumps somebody from their seat? Oh, a in dunk tank. Dunk tank, yeah. Oh. Whatever. That. Uh, no, with no. her and her friend Tina, and her friend Tina is like this demonic, big, burly woman, you know, but she's also a monster, so a little self-conscious. Aww. Well, then we also have Harley Quinn waking up from a dream that she completed all these trials. I'll get to that in a second, and when she wakes up, she's got a bug for a head. She sure does. And she's embarrassed when her friend Tina walks in and says, oh, it's a monster, we need to squish it, and she runs away, and everybody in the crowd's like... It's a monster, it's a monster, get it! And she's very self-conscious, and she ends up diving into a dumpster because something smells good, and she wants to eat the, she wants to eat the garbage because she's a bug. Oh, you and she just keeps, me. she just keeps transforming more and more and more, getting more bug-like. Oh, we got a fly on our hands. We, we kind of, Yeah, pretty much, same idea. Well, there was these three witches who put an incantation on her to make her this way. Um, so her friend Tina squeezes around the alleyway and bumps into the dumpster that she's in, so she's kind of stuck in this dumpster. But then she hears somebody else run into Tina, and it's somebody called Miranda. I guess this is the lady who chose Harley Quinn for this trials. I guess there's some kind of trials. If you'll notice how Harley Quinn has his belt on her, like it's like WWE type of belt. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess for each trial that she completes, one of these will light up and she'll become like the qu- the cosmic queen or cosmic oh. angel. And you know, through the dialogue, nobody can understand Harley, but she realizes, hey, 
Tina feels like a monster all the time, but Harley gives her the courage to go out there and be herself. So Harley, you know, says, screw it. I might look like a bug, but, you know, we still have a job to do. There's this community fair. Everybody does their part. And so she has the courage and stands on the dunk tank, and somebody throws a ball at it and dunks her, and boom, she's back to being old Harley Quinn. Oh, Harley Quinn. Alright, well, so it seems like this is a book that you could just jump right in at issue 59. Yeah, it, it definitely was. Not feel stupid going into it, other than the fact that, why is Harley Quinn getting a fly mask? I, you know what? I don't give a shit. Like, I immediately just, I felt, uh, as soon as I saw that opening, the, the opening page, or not necessarily the opening page, but the page revealing the fly face, I just had that nostalgia of, oh, this is totally a nod to Jeff Goldblum. Like, I don't care what this is getting. I, 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 there's no doubt in my mind that the artist or the writer is like, you know what? I love me some fly. Let's, let's tell everybody how much I love me some fly. Because that's... Uh, I, I don't see this book any other way. It's just uh, a nod. And nothing but a nod to one of the Not greatest... Really. I mean, for me, I see it as... Uh a nod to, like, many, many different children's tales that you've heard of of a spoiled princess who doesn't understand what she has. And then when she finally gives in and says, oh, you know, this is how this other person feels. I'm going to go out and, you know, just be strong like I've been telling them to do all along. They get their face back. This is like a classic children's tale. What oh. are you talking about? Oh, I don't know. I still see the horror. I see both. You're both yeah. right. Yeah. Oh, no. I, well, Usually I like it's, it's a nod to the fly. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, visually, that's what I mean. I will give you visually. Yeah, no, that, 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 and that's what I mean, visually. Story-wise, it is a children's tale. Oh, yeah, no, I didn't mean story-wise by any means. No, 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 totally visually. But, no, this is, uh, it seems like it's not, the, like I said, I'm Batman type of nice, brooding like type of... Oh, yeah, okay, well, we need less of I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I mean, DC has plenty of great stuff out there, and I... I just feel like every time I'm like, oh, there's a fun book, they just kind of take it away. Like, Green Arrow just ended. Like, I was thinking about jumping on Green Arrow. Because that seemed like, oh, you know, uh, Ollie would be a, a fun type of character to follow. Took that away. That ended yeah. last week. Or I don't week. be back. Well, yeah, just who, who knows when. And then what else? Uh, Blue Beetle. The moment I jumped on Blue Beetle, like a year and a half ago, Rebirth was like, mm, this one's not selling. I'm like, but I'm buying it. <laughs> it's just... I don't know. So, hope, I mean, obviously they're not canceling Harley Quinn anytime soon, so I think I collected, like, the first, now. like, 40 issues or whatever, and then I took a break for a long time, so maybe I'll add it back to the polls. You say that now. Yeah, I know. Seriously, I say that now. And, you know, with DC announcing their, their 5 to 10% and cutbacks. Yeah, we'll see who I, makes I, it. I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if Harley Quinn got the axe. But I think that's all for uh, DC. Let's let's move on to Marvel, huh? Conan the Barbarian, number four, Legacy two seventy nine. Jason Aaron, Gerardo Zafino, and Matthew Wilson. Did you read Conan? I did. All right, man. Solidifying my my uh, my hypothesis on at this point, it's the writer that carries me forward. Issue two of Savage Sword of Conan by Jerry Duggan. I was like, oh, okay, no, this is about what I expected. Yeah, you seem to like the one shots a little bit more. This right here, man, this this was a book, dude. So it takes place with Conan just, uh, you know, arriving at the throne. Like, he's choking out the king that he's replacing. Takes the bloody crown and puts it on his head. Yes, he does. 
And then he, you know, he's, he's going through about being a king, and, you know, he's, he starts getting sick. And everyone's like, ah, he's drinking too much. And it turns out, no, he's got something that they call the civilization flu. Like, he's been barbaric, you know, yeah. a man of the land it's for his, so long. He's past battling his present. Right. And now, you know, he's tied to this kingdom or whatever. So he, he's starting to get kind of depressed to the point where he's like, you know what? Put me in a room with a lion. Yep. Let me just... I, I want to bring out my barbaric ways. I want to like, fight. I want to feel alive again. So they put this wild lion in his chambers, and Conan punches it in the fucking face. Fight me! But then the cat just licks his hand. Yeah, and, the, and the, you know, he, I mean, he takes that punch like a goddamn champion. I'll say that much. As a lion would. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know if many lion would. Like, I think this is a special lion. I'm not going to lie. I mean, this is Conan. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> So yeah, no. The so afterwards, you know, and the, uh, he quotes him. He's like, ah, just another king in a cage like myself. Yeah, and you know your own kind. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. So at this point, he's like, okay, well that didn't work. Still got this uh, air quote civilization flu. So then he starts kind of like sneaking out at night and cleaning up the city like a Batman type of character, like yeah. him and his lion, just like tearing shit up. And then after you know a small amount of time, they're like, well the streets are cleaner than they have ever been, and you know you're. Your rule has been mighty and blah blah blah, and he's like, you know what? I got I got this mission we got to do. Right. So take, he like take the lion back to Kuth. Yeah, he he rounds up this this uh, this you know posse, if you will, and he takes him out to a week. Yeah, a few weeks later, the jungles of Kush. Kush. And he releases the lion, and he's like, you know, this is your this is where they found you. So you go be a lion. I'm going to, you know, not be a barbarian, but at least one of us will be happy. And then meanwhile, his men are like, hold on. We just, like, did this two-week mission. This or this over, you know. Who, you yeah. came all the way here just so you yeah. could leave your pet? And he's like, yeah, bitch, I'm king. I'm coning. <laughs> and your job is to escort me, not question me. Yeah. And then it kind of teases, like, oh, and then they went back. And everything was whatever until he disappeared. Yeah, and then he, until, um, he went back and... Did his kingly duties. That is until the day he disappeared. Dun dun dun. Yeah. So I'm thinking that you know I don't know if he I don't see Conan getting captured. I think he's just like you know what fuck this shit I'm out. I think he just like took a break. I I like Conan as a character. I mean yeah he's a barbarian yeah he was a king but really during the whole time like you know he always said I'm a thief. So you got this big burly man but he's a thief. He, yeah. He's he's a rogue. I, he's always been like a, kind of a fun enigma. I think he's a really cool character. I never thought I would be excited to read a comic book about him, but here we are. Yeah, no, Jason Aaron's killing it. He's taking, you know, a storyline that, you know, typically you think would be, like, very drawn-out storytelling and, like, oh, lore, 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 lore. If you don't know the Zinvigadigadis and the Badabadigadus, then you're not reminiscent of his recent work on Thor, and I'm loving it. Yeah, no, and I think that's, as soon as he announced, you know, gave the teaser that he was doing Conan, I uh, I was like, no, I can't think of a better writer in Marvel right now on account of, you know, his last eight years of doing Thor and to take on Conan, I'm going to give Conan a shot. And here we are. Yeah. Like I said, Jerry Duggan's first issue of Savage Sword, sorry I'm slurring, was awesome. And the second issue, I was like, eh, no, I just don't. We're going to actually, we'll talk more later. We're getting a third Conan series coming. 
It's a mini five-part miniseries. It's kind of like a later shot. We'll talk about it later. But Marvel's, like, got all their freaking chips in on Conan right now. So it makes me wonder what Jason Aaron really has planned. Because I know that he's got – he's really the guy in charge of, ultimately, of Conan's fate in Marvel. Yeah. I, I, I would guarantee it. Like, pretty much, you know, I think Jerry Duggan I, – I can't say I think – I'm almost certain that Jerry Duggan is just like, whatever Jason Aaron says is okay. You know, if Jason Aaron decides to just kill him off, then, you know, have a backup plan, Jerry. <laughs> I just I don't I, think he's going to do that anytime soon. No, no, but my, my point is is that Conan is Jason Aaron's. Regardless of who else is writing Conan's stories, there would not be a Conan without Jason Aaron. And in the Marvel Universe, again. Let me read it. Read oh, I'm enjoying it so far, so bring them on. Yes, bring them on indeed. More Marvel. Cosmic Ghost Rider destroys Marvel history number one. All right, before you move too far with that, whose giant hand is on the cover? Um, that could possibly... That's a good question. It's a big that's blue a, glove. That's a big hand. It's a big blue glove. Cyclops is hanging all over. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And that seems to be the, uh... Could it be a sentry? Ah, mm, Um... Galactus? No, I, no, it wouldn't be Gal... My first thought was Galactus, but Galactus don't wear blue gloves, I don't think. I think he wears purple, purple gloves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, my... Possibly Uatu. That would be my first guess now that I think about it. Maybe a Watcher. But just a... I don't know. I don't remember a Watu being that big... I don't know. Let's talk about who made this. Paul Scheer, Nick Giovanetti, Gerardo Sandoval, Victor Nava, Antonio Fabella covering. And I went with the Gerardo Zafino cover A. So, I was very, very, very hyped about this book. This is the first time I think I've seen Cosmic Ghost Rider being scripted by someone other than its creator, Donnie Cates. And in this case, we've got multiple people writing this book. So I know, before I really dive into this, I kind of want to touch on a couple of subjects about this book. A lot of people got their nuts all twisted when this book was announced, because it was announced shortly after the death of Stan Lee. And all the nerds came out, and they're like, you can't destroy Marvel history, especially after Stan Lee died. Guys, cool it. Yeah, this is some standalone thing. Yeah. Of course, they're not permanently destroying. Yeah. Like, they still want to sell you books. And if there's any indication that none of this is canon, it's this fucking issue. Because I, I don't know what to say about it, really. So, Cosmic Ghost Rider, he's, he's been... Alright, so it takes place directly after the events of the Cosmic Ghost Rider 5 part. Um, he took Baby Thanos back, and now... So, yeah, so that to reverse all the Punisher, Thanos shit or whatever. We're not going to touch on all that. But now the fact is he's stuck in the past. So he just so happens to be in an era. It's like the day before his family's getting ready to get murdered, and so he goes to visit him. But knowing that he's all aged and old and everything, he can't visit him, his son and his wife, as Frank Castle. So he's like, oh, I'm, uh, what does he say, like Falcone or something like that. Fredo, I'm, I'm Fredo Castle, Frank's uncle, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Because, I mean, you could see Mason, he's, he's kind of old-looking now. I don't know if you've seen Cosmic Ghost Rider without his flame on going on. There's a better shot of him. 
But uh, yeah, so he's like, oh no, let me hang out with my great nephew or whatever, and you know, it's, it's it's his son, and his son's a you know, his best part of the book. He's he's a cute little chubby pudgy fucker. I'm not gonna lie, like he's he's quick witted and all that stuff. He's quick to call him out, but he's for whatever reason, Castle decides to just lie his fucking ass off to, uh, I guess, impress this kid. So he starts telling these bunk-ass stories about how he was the fifth member of the Fantastic Four, and he just goes on just, like, lying and lying and lying, and the whole time Owatu's like, ah, you're, Owatu the Watcher, I'm, I don't I hope I'm saying that name right, probably not, but um, that's what I'm going with, y'all knew who I'm talking about, this guy, big head, bald baby, space baby is what uh, baby Thanos even calls him at one point, but, um, yeah, no, those are, uh, he doesn't wear gloves either. Those aren't his hands on the cover either, I don't know. So yeah, it's it's just a bunch of him just bullshitting. Like, he was a, a Reed Richards lawyer at one point in time. The thing that uh, I'm not too sure about here is he has the whole Marvel history. The whole Marvel history to mess with. And he chooses to tell two bunk stories about the Fantastic Four. And then one about Galactus, or one even, oh, one of them where he's uh, joined teams up with Hulk and Spider-Man and Wolverine. I guess that one was kind of interesting, involving like scrolls or whatever. And it's just, he kept revisiting the Fantastic Four, though, and I don't, I, I'm confused as to why. I think this is a mini-series, so through five or six issues or whatever it is, hopefully it's all explained. I really can't say I expect a lot more out of this issue. I mean, the art's awesome. It's a very unique style. Antonio Fabella's my dude as far as colorists go. Just, uh, I don't know. I, I thought, I, I had Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe standards in mind. Right. That's, that, that's, that's the first thing that I thought of when you when I saw this. I, oh, you'll be severely disappointed if you go in with those expectations. Yeah. yeah. Bummer. Yeah, kind of a bummer indeed. Not that it, I mean, it's definitely someone's flavor. It wasn't bad by any means. It's just my expectations being my most anticipated book of the week, and anticipating it for months since you know I, I was a couple months. I was teased. I've been all over this, but yeah. Hopefully, the last four issues, or I'm assuming it's going to go five issues. It plays out. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. What's next? Vader. Vader. Yes. Dark Visions. Dennis Hopeless. Uh, Paulo Villanelli and Arif Prianto, covered by Greg Smallwood. So, this was a last second whatever. I was going to pass on it, and then I saw it staring on me. And now I'm so mad that this isn't an ongoing. I want this to be Vader. I like anti-hero Vader. Yeah, definitely. This is... Dope. And you being a Star Wars fan, I had I told you I was like, don't sleep on this book. Read this. I, I hadn't planned to. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh good. Because it kind of it went under my reader. I didn't have it on my pull list, is what I'm saying. So. Fair enough. Yeah. You want to kind of tell us about this a little bit? We got a Vader crash landing on planet Sinet. Yeah, so we've got him on this planet, and he's fighting this giant godlike worm thing. Oh, man, it's a kaiju, is what it is. He's it's fighting a kaiju. Much, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, but he's, this kaiju is the god of Synap and these, these people, and it's it's all narrated by a, uh, a civilian, just a random civilian, this blue yeah. person. And uh, he's done in a very nice way. Like, normally I don't like these type of narrative type of stories. Like, I want it to be in Vader's voice, not some freaking weird little blue man group. I think it really works here with 
Putting Team Vader to be this valiant knight. Because it's got to be told through someone else's eyes. Mm -hmm. Like, because no one's ever seen Vader like, at least I've never seen Vader like this. And being that this is my favorite, one of my favorite bad guys of all time and all of everything ever made. Fair enough, yeah. Do this book, give it a proper rundown, man. Uh, I mean, there's really not much more to say. Vader is fighting this thing. It looks like he's about to get destroyed, Mm -hmm. even though his sword... Is hurting him, which these people have never been able to do. You're right. There really isn't a whole lot to say. It's 16 pages of action. It's 16 pages of Vader on a fucking black stallion alien horse fighting a kaiju is what this is. And there's there's no way to really give it a rundown without giving it a panel, panel, Vader stabbing it through the eye. Vader decides to go in this way. Vader slices it through the guts. This is just action-packed, but at the same time, I get my money's worth. Because it's narrated over top properly. It's not just like, well, here's a bunch of, you know, a whole bunch of blood with no words. It's being described in a very elegant way. And then at the end, Vader, he he kills this kaiju, and the kid's like, ah, you know, thank you. And he's like, do not thank me. Uh, and Today, the force shines upon you. Yeah, and then the back. <laughs> I really do like how, how this kid's narrating him, though, as, as this black knight with a flaming sword. Yeah, and then, you know, as things just tend to work out for Vader, he jumps on the little freaking spaceship and heads up into space yeah. onto the next... He's on his TIE fighter, and he gets ported yeah. back into the, the TIE destroyer, yeah. and... Meanwhile, the kid, you know, he tells stories of how he killed the kaiju with his flame sword and all that yeah. stuff, and he never really tells the story of Vader because he's the only, everyone lives underground, under fear of this, this... Right, and these uh, people are landlocked, think they're, they're not exactly. part of the Empire, right. so, you know, they do, you know, the story of Vader, he is the hero. Right, well, know, it's not the story of Vader, though, it's this kid saying, oh, I did all this. Right, right, and you know, this so, Black Knight, which is Vader, right. is their hero now. Yeah, that's, ah, that's so cool, man. This was, I really thought that this was going to be a, uh, a ham-fisted type of story. See, that got it right this yeah. time. Um, but no, this was very, very, it was, it was just so good, man. This is what I want out of Vader all the time, forever. I don't want every story to be like oh, this, I, do I like know. all of Vader, but no. No, I good. mean, I like his methodical plotting and all of that stuff, and his, you know, but just, you got you just got to see Vader and all of his badass single-handedly taking on a kaiju. Just that powerful figure against impossible odds and coming out victorious. Yes. Incredible. Um, more Marvel. Deadpool, number 10, Legacy 310. Scotty Young. Scott Hepburn filling in for Nick Klein this time. Dude needs a break. He's a beast. And Ian Herring coloring. So... Uh, I can tell you right now, just based off the cover, got a first appearance of a new villain. Will he play out longer than Killpuddle? I sure fucking hope so. And I think even Killpuddle's mentioned in here, I'm not gonna lie. So, uh, did you not read Deadpool? Okay. Eventually, Scotty Young's run is coming to an end, I think after issue 15. Mm-hmm. He and Nick Klein have secret projects to work on. They won't even tell me who's taking over Deadpool. I imagine because they're not telling me, it's going to be someone pretty badass. But I just, I've really, really grown to like Scotty Young's voice for old Wade sure. Wilson. Yeah, I like I'm, the, I definitely plan to pick up the trades when they come out. But yeah. So you know, it's, it's really just been a whole bunch of one-shots. It's, it's So far, it's really been ten one-shots of Deadpool. Sounds awesome. So, yeah, it's... 
So it is something that I could just jump in next oh, issue. Oh, easily. Absolutely. Easily. No, uh, we got a few more. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, in this, we got uh, he, Deadpool. He keeps arriving to his jobs and starts out like he's on the phone with Hammerhead. And he's like, I don't think you should pay me. And Hammerhead's like, but the dudes are dead and blah, blah, blah. You're going to tell me you shouldn't be paid. He's like, yeah, the guys are all dead, but... I didn't do it. Like, I showed up, and they're already dead. And so we're hinting that someone's arriving here first. And that becomes a trend for a few pages. And we keep seeing this, like, good night homage. So they're like, oh, that's probably what this bad guy's name is. So then Deadpool tries to eventually, like, set up good night to come in. And he brings in this D-list villain. <laughs> like, oh, we're going on a duck hunt. So... He keeps being referred to as Bob. I forget what his actual villain name is. Mm-hmm. I, I tried looking it up. I didn't have enough to go off of with Marvel he Bob Deadpool. Yeah, I know, no, I know, I know him from somewhere. Yeah, I know. I feel like an idiot for not knowing. So yeah, no, he's like sets this dude up to you know be bombarded by uh, Good Night, and finally after like ten hours and him starving, he's like, you know what? I'm fucking out of here. And on cue, as soon as he leaves, Goodnight shows up and just beats the fuck out of Deadpool, like, easily. Just, it's like three pages of him just breaking him in half. And eventually, Wade passes out, and he wakes up, and he's being explained that this, uh, this Goodnight fella, he's like, you hurt me back when I was young, you know, I'm gonna hurt you, so he's got him all fucked up, and... So we might actually get, like, two consecutive issues leading into one thing. So now if you were to jump into issue... Now I'll get confused. All right. No, you won't, because I told you everything. Everything. It's a whole lot of action. It's Deadpool-y. It's goofy. There's chimichangas. So, yeah. Um, That was our cue (laughs) for the next book. Uh, Age of X-Men, Prisoner X, number one. I went with the Lee... And yuck, variant connecting thing again, because you don't stop it. Well, 3 of 5. Now I'm at 4 of 5. So Prisoner X. You didn't read this one? Did not read this one. No. Okay. So this is Bishop's first day of prison. He's going through the yard, and he's getting hazed by a big old bearded beast and my girl Gabby, Honey Badger. Meanwhile, he keeps having these little flashbacks. He's like, oh, you know, I know that we're better than this. This is not who we are. And, you know, cause every time Beast goes to haze him, he's like, oh, yeah, I remember when I helped you fix the deflibbalubbalubba on my gun. So, but there's no convincing these guys. And then eventually Bishop sees that there's someone else in the prison. I think it's, I want to say it's armor. I can't tell for sure, because once they did this Age of X-Man thing, like, they started changing up the designs a little bit, the, the character designs. But, yeah, no, they realized that, oh, yeah, no, What's I... Armor doing in prison? I thought she was part of the... I don't know, who's that? Looks like Armor to me. I don't know. I don't think it's Armor. Uh, whoever it is. I don't know who it is. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. But she's in prison, and apparently, you know, her and Bishop realizes, oh, no, I'm starting to have flashbacks, too. I thought I was the only one. Let's take a second to admire Beast Beard, though. Because that's the true hero of the story. Beast Beard. Beast Beard. Um, <laughs> that character design, actually, I gotta say, is the best Beast has ever looked. That's freaking cool. Is like, odd and far-fetched as that might be. 
That's easily, at least in my opinion, the best beast he's ever looked. I'm not a beard guy, but he just looks so freaking rugged there, man. Like, he's been in prison for a bit. So, yeah, no, it's them trying to figure shit out eventually, uh, you know, after prison rise or whatever, you know, as that happens. Bishop goes to lay down, he has a little dream, dreams about apocalypse and some other shit teasing him about a dream, then he wakes up and there's a little note in his cell that says, the dream is real, reality is false, get out! And that's where it ends. So, a uh, bit of a mind fuck there. I don't know, we'll see. Yeah, more of just setting up this alternate universe that they've created and will soon destroy, I'm sure. Yeah, I would I would like to think so. So, um, yeah, no, that's, uh, the, 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 the little mini-series has been fine. It's, it's you know, hit or miss, as I expected them to be in. Like I said, I knew it entailed 25 issues. You can't expect them all to be gold. Right. Uh, at least this one had some talking points, you know. Fair enough. Fair and uh, the the biggest one, I think, being <laughs> my boy Mike Spicer. Did the colors on that. I recognize that name from Murder Falcon. He watercolored that, so that was pretty cool. I forgot to all give right. a shout-out. Um, Vida Ayala. Uh, my mouth isn't going to allow me to pronounce this right. Ayala. That's definitely wrong. And Germain Peralta were the the other creative people on that. I kind of skipped that. My bad. More X-Men. Uncanny X-Men. Number 13. Legacy 632. Matthew Rosenberg. Uh, Salvador La Roca and Guru Effects doing colors. And, uh, Salvador La Roca and Rachel Rosenberg did the color. Cover. It's a freaking sweet cover, man. It's got all the... Uh, you'll find out... Oh, who are all those guys? Well, they own a list of some sort. And we'll get to the... No. So, they're in a pool hall. All the remaining mutants that have been rounded up by... Hiding in a bar. Yeah, they're hiding in a bar. And eventually... um, I'm not sure how it comes about. To be honest, I read it a couple of times, and I think it's just kind of like a MacGuffin at this point. But there's a list. Yeah, these are people that I think are either hiding mutants or will harm mutants. um, Well, if you take a look at the list, they're all mutants that have been known to be evil... Right. At one point or another. So, yeah. But I'm guessing they're all in hiding because we haven't seen any of these guys in any of the other Age of X-Men stories. And that's why those those are so important, I believe, is because they're letting you know who's not going to be found and uncanny. And they're not just gone, gone, and, oh, hey, they're back. No, they're, they, they've been doing something this whole time. Right, right. So, yeah, no, they're uh, going through, like, oh, no, we've got to find these X-Men. And they're like, oh, we don't kill them. Or, not X-Men, mutants. They're like, oh, we don't kill them anymore. But we're going to do something. We're going to arrest them, something. My favorite part of this issue, though, is when Wolverine, he said he goes back to the school and went to some of the tunnels and got some equipment. And he got the old uniforms. We got the old 90s uniforms. We got the brown Wolverine costume. We got the, the old bandolier-style Cyclops. Oh, I love it. These are the classic costumes, and if this doesn't get you all juicy, then I don't think you really like X-Men as much. No, this is my favorite part. I, I love this flashback to the old costumes. I know a lot of people are like, oh, not my X-Men, and no, no, the X-Men haven't been great since the 70s, and blah, blah, blah. No, man, I'm sorry. It's coming back. It's all it about is, the 90s. And another, another 90s throwback is when they throw Dark Beast in there. I, he might be older than that, but... I don't remember him until, I, I think it was X-Men Alpha that I first saw him. Well, Dark Beast, I mean, he ends up being, like, the, the full antagonist, or the main antagonist of this story. Yep. 
they go looking for their answers and um, mul- uh, they're uh, trying to track down Jamie, I think, multiple man. And then like cyborg Jamies come out and they're yeah, like, oh yeah, experimented on. right. And then you know uh, uh, Alpha or Jamie one, what do they call him, Alpha Jamie? What, what, I forget what it is. I know there's a word the for it. The real one. Yeah. What? Yeah. The real uh, one. Jamie Prime. Jamie Prime. I knew that's what it was. He explains like, oh no, this is Dark Beast like demented ways fucking with us and then you know you see Dark Beast and you're like oh shit he cyborged himself yeah he got all technified yeah man and it's, we got a sweet design after a shit ton of ads for War of the Realms <laughs> <laughs> That's been the bane of my existence this week. These damn double quadruple. Well, no, I, haven't, I haven't heard of that. Yeah, no, no it's it's, it's a little no, thing no. that's gonna happen. Huh. But uh, yeah, no. So then we get the X Men uh, fighting uh, uh, Dark Beast, and it's a freaking sweet fight. And indeed, yeah. Oh man. And you know, after it's all said and done, they're back at the bar having a drink, and they look on the news. And they realize that, you know, there's uh, mutants are starting to expose themselves. And, well, they particularly notice that their boy Banshee is around. And we haven't seen that name in a while. No, we haven't. And is that also Forearms I saw in surveillance? I'm not sure who that was. I really don't know. It looked like Forearms. I don't know. See, I was trying to figure out who that was. I don't know who Forearms is. Remember, or isn't... Maybe his name isn't Forearms, but remember the, the, the young X-Men team when they were fighting and they got their butts kicked by the guy with Forearms? Well, that sure looks like his silhouette. Oh, shoot. Maybe. But then they, like, zoom in and they see Banshee. And yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, this was this was a great issue, man. I'm like liking it, Uncanny still. It, it's rebuilding a team. Like, this obviously isn't the full team. You know, I think we've got a ways to go before we're established as, like, okay, this is the uncanny X-Men I think they've now. got a lot planned. I think but, we have got a long road ahead of us. But sure. Yeah, but in the meantime, they're, they're, they're using all of these mutants. Like, oh, yeah. You're going to be an X-Men for a second. You're going to be an X-Men for a second. Like, Matthew Rosenberg is the Oprah of mutants right now. Just like, you're going you gonna to have an issue. You're going to be important. You're going to be important. And it's, it's working great. No, no, I don't think it's... are definitely getting a who's who of, of mutants. And, oh, the costumes are back, man. Mm-hmm. I don't even, know. even if it's only for a short period... I, I appreciate it. And, they, and that's the X-Men that I, I, I grew up on. That's the X-Men I know and love. And they were very aware of it. Like, look, we when we tried to find some costumes, it's Slim Pickens right now on account of, you Brown know. Wolverine. Oh, man, it's good. It's good. And just I, the, the Cyclops design. It's, it, it's not just they're, they're, these guys are they're alive. It's not just that they're, they're and alive I, I now. I love that it still feels like that Logan and Scott dialogue. Sure, we understand that every problem, you know, needs to be solved by stabbing with the guy with hands or knives for hands. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure, and everybody needs a hug for the man wearing rose, looking through the world at rose-colored glasses. Like, I yep. just, it, it's so perfect. Oh yeah, and a great, great issue. Probably, I don't know, it might be one of my favorite issues so far. I was thirteen. No, bold. Yeah. Uh, Immortal Hulk, number 14, Legacy 731, Al Ewing, Kyle Holtz, guest arting, and Paul Mounts, covered by the legendary Alex Alex Ross. Ross. So we start out here with the funeral of Thunderbolt Ross, Tony Stark giving the Ugoogly, and (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's Ugoogly. And um, Betty is uh, Thunderbolt Ross's daughter, I'm assuming. Also Bruce Banner's wife. Oh, okay, that makes things interesting. Right on. Okay, that explains a little bit more attention. Now, you take it from here. 
So, we, of course, we have Thunderbolt Ross. He's dead. Uh, she visits her his funeral. Well, when she gets back, Betty, I mean, uh, there is a man sitting on her porch, and that is none other than Bruce Banner. And he's going to apologize. You know, he didn't call. Everybody thought he was dead for a long time. She never gave up hope. Well, they embrace each other, and uh, she tells him it's not safe to get in the house. And she's right. It's not safe. Shots fired. There's a man looking through a sniper scope at them the whole time. Mr. Agent Burbank. Yep. And, you know, he was one of the ones that went to hell with Bruce Banner, and, you know, he came back, and he ain't happy about it. Oh, that's who that was. Thank you. I was like, oh, I, I don't understand this yep. part in here. But we have to mention who gave him those orders, and that goes back to the funeral. Um, Mr. Reginald 14 yep. is kind of like he walks into the funeral with his um, just crotch of swinging. And he was like, I'm better than you in every way, Betty. He looked at Thunderbolt Ross, looked at me. He's more of a, you know, son-like figure than... Yeah, he was definitely closer to Ross than he's, Betty He's was. just rubbing in the relationship or whatever. And then... Uh, the, I didn't really get that vibe. Oh, Maybe. no, I totally got yeah. that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah, 100%. So then, I, I mean, I had to go back to, rela- you know, who gave the order of Burbank to take out, and then it just circles back around to this Reginald guy that we saw at the funeral. So, right. I, yeah, I just had to mention that. So, yeah, um, um, but... She, she does have some tricks up her sleeves, so they, they're not able to listen to the conversation, and they're not able to have uh, any kind of mystical monitoring, except they do have thermal recognition. Hmm. So, but they can't tell who's who, and this sniper, he, he doesn't want to... He doesn't let him go. He's being told explicitly not to take the shot. Do not take the shot. But he takes the shot. He misses. He doesn't hit Bruce Banner. He hits Betty. Nope. Oops. And... Um, it, it's Hulk. nap time, and the Hulk is pissed, and he comes out, and he's ready to smash. And Hulk smash. And he, Hulk does smash. Mm-hmm. He goes after Burbank. He does but, Burbank after Burbank, but Burbank away. Well, no, Burbank is standing there shooting his, uh, what does he say, like his... Uh, Ten cal, or a hundred cal. Uh, yeah, it's hundred cal. That's a thousand cal. A thousand cal. Yeah, that's what it is. He's launching a thousand cal. And it blows a giant piece of the Hulk's head off. It does, and um, just before it ends, we get a quick glimpse of what's going on back at the old uh, house with the death and yeah, whatnot. So Betty got shot through the head. Well, she was also the Red She-Hulk. Yeah, a lot of people don't know she was Red She-Hulk at one point. And it is night time. So she was shot at night, and we mm-hmm. get her eyes opening up and turning bright red. Yeah, so but one thing I don't know is do you, who is this guy with the green hair? That's because the thing. Is the that doctor, I'm your doctor. Okay, I think. All right. I can't remember his name. I want to say that he first appeared in issue number two. Okay. Did he? I want to. Uh, I want to say. Uh, I, I don't remember. Yeah, uh, I could be wrong on that, but I think this is the reason why issue number two financially is like blowing up to like sixty bucks or whatever because we've got a first appearance of this professor. I'll have to go back and read it. Uh, yeah. Well, you're gonna have to borrow it from me because I don't think you're spending that kind of money unless you buy it digitally because it's an expensive book now. Uh, but yeah, no, it's this whole series is just shooting up every issue that comes out. It's the, it, the series is worth more and more. People are loving this Hulk story. Uh, I'm one of them for sure. Yeah, I have never been the biggest Hulk fan, but this this is converting me. Yeah, no, this is just a different style. It's not like oh Hulk smash, Hulk sad. This is like oh shit, Hulk is like super depressed and like. Hulk is fucking shit up. Like, this is Hulk and doing And we have, like, a self-aware Hulk, too. Not just well, angry smash. Well, Banner and Hulk separated. They're yeah. two different people now, practically. You know, and we got an establishment of night and day. Like, that's a pretty cool thing that yeah. Ewing did, making that happen. 
So yeah, no, this is this has been great, and Kyle Holtz did a great job stepping in for Joe Bennett, who usually pencils and inks this. So yeah, great job. All around. Yeah, no, it's a very strong issue. I like so far. I actually, I think I like this issue more than I like the whole um, one below all arc. Yeah, that one was a little poetic. Not yeah, this is not my steez, man. Not my type. I get that. But this was this is much more linear and. This is getting back to the first few issues in that style for sure. Yeah, yeah, and but still stays on the topic of horror. Like I mean, it, oh, it, very it's, much. So. It, it even, has a whole vibe. Well, and that you gotta credit the art for that too because it's pure gore. I mean, yeah, as gory as Marvel will allow. Oh, this whole yeah. team is just killing it. Yes. Uh, Avengers, No Road Home, number four, Legacy, 7-Eleven. Uh, who do we got on this? Jim's, uh, Mark Wade, Al Ewing again. Sean Izaski and Marcio Menez. Cover, I, I guess I got hit with the, uh, connecting variant from Phil Noto. I've got half of the variants on this. My, I haven't been paying attention when my LCS throws my, my box together, so. Whoops. Whoops. But I like all the covers regardless. This is this is a sweet Phil Noto cover. So did you read No Road Home? I did. Alright. So in this this um for the majority it is the origin of Nyx and her children. Yeah. Um quick rundown, Hypnos being the god of sleep. She was born to protect her dreams and guard her in the night. Uh that's why she had him. Uh Pati and Dolos were born out of her frustration of Zeus's lies and deceits. Yeah. Oh, yes. And her most powerful, Ozius, was born out of hate when she was cast out with Mm -hmm. her other childrens. So then it flashes forward to back where, you know, the fighting was happening. And, um, uh, what do we got here? Oh, it's Vision, Hercules, and Scarlet Witch, along with Spectrum. Trying to take on Hercules mostly. And yeah, well, Hercules and is under children. the pre- possession. Uh, remember in the last issue how he got yes, stabbed yeah. with the so, so he's still filled with hatred. Right, right. And Scarlet Witch is blind, but that ain't hindering her none. Cause, yeah, and Spectrum is just blowing shit up because just Spectrum. Totally, it's a powerful bitch. We were having a conversation about that. This is the book that yeah. So. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the other half of this Spectrum new team... Spectrum, formerly known as... Captain Marvel. Oh, right. That's right. So, during all of this, uh, we know that the Nix's mission is to regather all of her soul shards so she can... The knight that was and the white, the knight that has yet to be. Right. And we know that one of these soul shards is in the beard of the librarian. Yep. So she's after the librarian. Everyone protect the librarian. No one protect the librarian. she goes through his chest to get it. Yep, she sure does. Just like she did through the eyeballs of Scarlet Witch. Yep. This is a v- actually a surprisingly gruesome book for being a, a Marvel book. Or, I mean, an Avengers book. So, yeah, uh, and then, and then, and then. The the final page is really the seller on this whole thing because you're like oh no hypnos and nighttime and all of that like they're really selling the hypnos thing I think in the beginning and yep. they just kind of like sweep it under the rug they'll forget they'll forget and then bam it made the reveal that much better when because you know hypnos is trying to fight nightmare and nightmare create or you know they're he the come to me what's the word um, recruits 
uh, you know, Hawkeye and Rocket and Hulk. Yep. So and now then we got the rest of the team joining the fight. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, fighting Hypnos in the the Nightmare World and Nightmare's World, protecting Nightmare's realm. It's a good page. Oh, it's a sweet page because once again we get an amazing character with a sword on a black demon horse, and this time it's Hulk. This is cool, yeah, man. Is. This is cool. We didn't have any of the little bickering between Hulk and Hawkeye in this one. Like as fun as that is, I was like hoping. I was like, I hope this doesn't go on forever right. because this is this is really a, a horse that could beat to death. Yeah. And no, they just chose to like completely forget about the three most interesting characters of this new team until the last page, and it was. I think it was very very well told. And it's hard to do when you've got three different. Writers on the same story. Yeah, I wasn't sure how long this one's going to keep my attention, but so far, so far, so good. Yeah, it's, it's 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 important to the War of the Realms lead up to and all of that. I promise, it's 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 worth hanging on to. Uh, I believe you. Yeah. Um, Avengers. Yeah, last Marvel book of the week that I'm going to talk about is Avengers number sixteen, Legacy. 706, Jason Aaron, David Marquez, Eric Arcianega, covered by David Marquez and Matthew Wilson. So, as we know, Ghost Rider is under the possession of the Shadow Colonel and the Legion of the Undead. He's being controlled. Yeah, and in the last issue, the Avengers showed up to make sure that's not a thing anymore, so we get pretty much 20 pages of just the Avengers battling the Legion of the Undead and Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider gives Captain Marvel a pennant stare. Which is dope until you realize it doesn't fucking work. But now I want to see the penance bomb. Yeah. Oh, there's just so many great things. And then we get the side of the story where it gets all, like, sneaky. Like, the less action-y side of the story. And this is Dracula trying to manipulate the Winter Guard of making a deal. He's like, check it out. I'll give you the Avengers. I know that you I guys want the Avengers. I live out the last of my few days remaining. Yeah, he's like, I don't even need to be Dracula's castle. Like, this last century has sucked. I'm tired of carrying Pennsylvania on my back, so I'm going to, yeah, just, I'll give you the Avengers, you make sure I could just live out my few, whatever, alone in peace. Yep. So the Winter Guard's like, okay. Uh, except Red Widow wants to make sure that he doesn't have any other secrets, so she yes. starts one by one killing all of his consorts right in front of him. Yeah, yeah, and then... And then it gets really crazy, because during the whole battle with the, the Legion of the Undead and the Avengers and Ghost Rider, the Legion actually escapes, and they mm -hmm. sneak off, and they've got missions of their own. <laughs> they go to the prison where Dracula is being held. They got rats bombs. Bl blood grenade bo rat bombs. And these vampire blood. Uh, yes, old vampire. So they're gonna they're gonna purpose. And it, so it just confused me because I, I know that they wanted to hunt and kill all these vampires, but apparently they they've killed enough of the weak and gentrific ones. Now they want to create a new army. Yeah. So yes, he's he's. And I was a little confused by that too. to do it. So why not? I don't know, man. I'm not questioning Jason Aaron. Like I thought that was kind of like, oh shit, I gotta make something happen real quick in a couple pages. So he's like, oh, let's just do this. But I'm okay with that one. Jason Aaron can get away with it too. Well, yeah. it could be one of those classic stories of, well, if you do your job too well, then people don't need you. Anymore. It might be because he be is the greatest. <laughs> yeah. could, could be. Could be. Very right. But, you know, one of my favorite parts about this one also was that uh, while Robbie Ray's Ghost Rider was under the control of. Uh, the Shadow Colonel, he was in his own personal hell. And his own personal hell, since he's from Los Angeles, is in gridlocked traffic that's going nowhere. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's all... I can't forget and, about the big reveal at the end. Yep. We've got somebody... Johnny Blaze! 
Johnny Blaze. Johnny Blaze and Bobby Ray. Like, yeah, so is Johnny Blaze back now? Is that what I get? Well, he's in hell. And he was the greatest ghost rider that ever existed. And, and the whole time you realize that Johnny Blaze is the one that's narrating this. Yeah. Not necessarily Robbie. Uh, no, I think it's Robbie that was narrating it. I think Johnny Blaze is the other voice that was talking to him. Okay, is that what it was? Uh, All right. I, I, I wasn't 100%. Yeah, because even in the narration, they're saying that I'm from Los I, Angeles. I, I thought yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, no, I thought so. Yeah, no, I, I thought that was great. Like, this this book was just filled with great Avengers books. hasn't had a bad issue yet so far. No, there's been some stronger than others, but it's... Oh, uh, this Vampire War shit has been incredible. I mean, and anybody that knows me knows I can give two goddamns about anything that has to do with vampires until Blade's in this bitch. <laughs> and I, I didn't even mention Blade in this, but Blade just whoops that ass. Uh, oh, and talking about how Robbie Reyes gets out of the mind control is uh, he was – Blade says he was down with a sickness. So Blade sucks oh, yeah, it out of yeah, it. That's and right. if anybody makes any jokes, they're getting beaten to death with nunchucks. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I forgot he had this. Suck his fucking neck. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good stuff, man. That was a great book. Great, great book. Do we have any other mainstreams to check out? I think that'll do it on my part. All right. Well, uh, let's talk about our indie of the week. From Suspicious Behavior Productions, we have Invasion from Planet WrestleTopia. And I'm going to go ahead and talk about issues number one and two. Both of them. Let's talk about. Oh man! All right, I gotta give you guys the creators here. So when this, when these guys sent me this book, I'm not even gonna lie. I bumped him up. I'm like, all right, no, you guys can go next. <laughs> this is this is awesome. Um, I'm gonna apologize ahead of time on your names though. Matt Enton, Ed Kuchnel, Dan Shukad, and Maris Luis. Marissa Luis. What does that say? I'm so sorry. Yeah, Marissa Luis. Yeah, oh man. So all you guys, and I didn't mention the letters, you guys got a hell of a creative team here. So let's just talk about what this book. What could a book called Invasion from Planet WrestleTopia possibly be about? Is it about puppies? It's not. Um, Unicorns. Surprisingly, no. It actually has to do with alien wrestling. How's going to be my next guess? I was going to be my 80th. Oh, man. I feel sorry. We'd have been here a while. <laughs> we actually cut all... We cut 78 of those guesses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It is now dusk. <laughs> so let's talk about this book. Uh, I have it pulled up on issue two here, but I'm going to talk about issue one because... Yeah, what happens to issue one? I, I didn't so, all right, well, it's, it follows the, the character of Rory Landell, and he is this badass wrestler on Earth, and that's that's pretty much what we're getting here. He's this, the, the first 34-page spectacular is him, you know, proving his whatever. And at one point or another, he, like, makes this announcement. He's like, I'm, the, I'm not just the champion of Earth. I am the intergalactic champion. And then... Unfortunately, I think he's supposed to like stage a fight or something, and it doesn't go right, and he ends up kind of getting banned. And long story short, he ends up it's living in Mexico. Yeah, he's he's like a bum in Mexico or whatever, and he's just chugging along. He's kicked out of his house. Yeah. So, uh, issue two starts out with pretty much like the the divorce or whatever. He's yeah, leaving his kid behind. Yeah. He's kicked out. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, this is him, you know, off to Mexico. 
And meanwhile, we get these observers from above. Yep. Or actually, the, well, uh, we yeah, not from above, the planetarium. They observe some observers. Right. Everyone's a lawyer. Aliens, we got these new spacecraft. What are they doing? It looks like they're building a steel cage around Earth. And that right there, that's when I was like, oh my god, this is not like your WWE wrestling now. I, not that I have anything against that. I could just say that I stopped watching wrestling like a year after it became the WWE. And like, so it kind of gives you an idea of my age a little bit, like. WWF, man, like that was my the steel cage match, the steel cage match back when that was real blood, and <laughs> oh my god, and just as soon as I saw them building a steel cage match around Earth, like I like I gotta say again, I'm not a wrestling fan now, but I'll be damned if I was. Oh, I was such a wrestling fan as a kid. Man. I never was. Oh, so oh, so this book didn't grab you like the boo boo like it did me. No, but yeah, by the end of it, okay, I'm interested. I, I like the art. Yeah, and well, I, I want to see where they're going with this one. I mean, you know, we got this planetary invasion. In well, are we going to possibly get a father-son team-up? Because uh, you know, our, our Roy, Rory here is following in the footsteps of his father, uh, um, uh, Henry Landau. And he was the, the human torture rack back in his day, which was Lex Luthor's old was a torture rack. Oh, yeah, I remember. So, uh, they're, he's laying in bed with his new boo, apparently estranged from his son, or at least for the last few days, and he sees uh, this, this incoming message. Wait, so that's his father? Yes. That's the guy that was kicked out? Um, the, the, this, this older gentleman here is the father of the guy that was kicked out. Okay. Because oh, okay. if you look in this issue here, you could see, like, the, this, this, this I thought, panel here. I is very about him and his son. No, no. Oh, okay, okay. Well, no, he was kicked out, too. Like, the, right. so, uh, yeah. I'm sorry, we're confused. No, he well, was kicked I, yeah, out. I, I thought you were talking about Rory and his son as a team-up, not, not his, Rory and his father. Right. Okay, I got you, I got you. Right, yeah, my bad. No, I'm talking about... Whatever. I'm talking about Rory and his father. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. So, yes. Um. So, in the first issue, we get this... You know, it's left off. It introduces the... The, the beings from above, from Wrestle Planet WrestleTopia, be like, what? You can't claim Victor. No, we gotta, we gotta check this shit. And we like, we gotta, that you read this guy's voice as Macho Man Randy Savage. You oh, can right. only read oh, this right. guy's <laughs> voice as... <laughs> People of the world! Not long ago, I received! Yeah, as soon as I saw that, it was just like, Macho Man, I can't help it, it's there. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, the stars they shook and many moons did quake, for there was a disharmony in the heavens. And in th- that right there, the dialogue. There's still, like, in the first issue, there is this... I'm your, oh, it's a so Ric Flair dialogue in the first. I'm your yeah. lean, mean, lean, lean, lean. Oh, yeah, you definitely get some of that here, too. It went on for, like, 37 freaking oh, talk bubbles. It was so good. And you got to credit the, art, the writer for that because he's just like, you know what? Keep it going. I'm just going to keep it going. You ain't had enough yet? Oh, no, he's still dick-swinging, big-flinging. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Six pages. Rooting, shooting, gun shooting. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, dude, and, and I have a feeling that they're going to continuously homage all these great, like, wrestler, you know, intros and all that, like, and you can tell, like, that's, uh, let me explain the person that you were, like, macho manning here is, uh, Manifest Destiny is the character's yeah. name. 
Yeah, oh, yeah. Man, he, says that, he, he says that at the beginning yeah. of his whole monologue there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, no. It's, this Destiny, you are not the one true galactic champion. It's that. These, no. these guys aren't just wrestlers. I mean, we've got armies shooting at them and tanks hitting them and them lifting up tanks. Like, this is going to be a hell of a wrestling match. Oh, yeah, because this is like little old human, like Rory. Like, he's, he might be king shit in, yeah. you know, on Earth, but he's got to fight some alien wrestlers now. Or impervious. And this is Planet WrestleTopia. This, man, if you if you liked wrestling at any point in time, at least from the time if you're old like me, um, this is definitely for that wrestling. Oh fan. my god, so it, much so. Oh, so much because the, the 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 writer just knows these voices and the art style. I can't. I mean, you got the art style goes very very well with this tone of story. Oh, the art's great. It's it, it still has its adult themes as well. So, I mean, it's, but, um, I, I, oh, man, there's, I, this story's so good. There's a big thing that I just found out about this book, though. Big announcement. Um, Starburns Industries Press decided to go ahead and make Invasion from Planet Russeltopia number three a free comic book day book this year. Oh, no way. That's so, awesome. So, you heard it first from us, I think. You hope. <laughs> I hope. Uh, this just in. So yeah, no, uh, this is awesome. I, I, you know, I, I can't praise this book enough. It was everything I hoped it would be. It really was. Um, the fact that I kind of lost my voice talking about it means that they did good. And I, 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 I kind of got a scratchy voice now. So sorry from here on out. But yeah, no, and. Uh, I know I when I showed you this book I was like this is probably not going to be a Justin book but I still think he's going there's going to be things about oh, no, it. No, I definitely liked it. <clears throat> I just probably didn't appreciate it as much as you cuz I've never been the wrestling fan. Gotcha. The only real wrestling I've been exposed to is when I went and hung out with my friends at their house and they would watch it and be like yeah it's not for me. But this is a fun read. This I'm is, waiting for that Jake comic. the Snake reference. Like, I want to see what type of weird reptilian creature he tries to parody in here. Um, oh, there's so many, like, I mean, obviously, I want to see, like, the big show, or not the big show, Andre the Giant. Like, I know that's the era that he's going with. Man, I just, uh, Guys, Matt, I'm going to give your names a shot one more time. Matt Enton, Ed Kuchnel, Dan Shkade, fucked it up. And Marissa Luis. Sorry, guys, we're bad at names. Uh, we'll we'll yeah. be the first to tell you. Well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm drinking, and I got a speech impediment when it comes to names, so, yeah. But we're going to type it just perfectly when we tweet you guys out, I promise. Right. I'm not going to I'm not gonna mistype it. So, yes, thank you guys so much, Suspicious Behavior Productions. Keep a lookout for them. Uh, you guys keep sending us your indie stuff. Yeah, uh, we've love talking we've about got it. a few more on deck too. So at this point, you know, we've we've got room. Keep you know, send us a few more. Web comics are better. They're shorter, the better. Um, but if you got a whole bunch of stuff to send us, send us your best stuff. Yeah. Send what do you think represents? Yeah. What you got? Yeah. Your latest stuff, whatever. Um, you guys know what to do. I. Yeah. So thank you so much to Invasion from Planet Russeltopia. Cheers, Cheers guys. Man. That was great. Um, well, let's talk about, uh, honorable mentions. Let's mention them. Uh, the first book I didn't read because I'm waiting for it to, the series to finish. It's taking forever. Doomsday Clock, number nine. I heard this issue was dope. Still waiting for all 12 to come out, and I've been reading them. Um, but, yeah, no, it's 
series is taking forever. I heard a um uh, what's his name? Uh Mr or Doctor Manhattan refers to like a whole new fifty two type of thing again. So there's that whole I don't know. I hear it's a pretty important badass issue. It's a very redeeming issue. Like people like, Oh, it was worth the wait. I'm still yeah. I, I can't retain all that information, man, especially with a DC book sometimes. Uh, Image Comics, The Walking Dead, I will probably never catch up, but I'm going to pretend. I'm going to pretend. Jeremy I'm gonna keep will tell you all about it one day. I know. One of these days. Uh, and more Image Comics, Cemetery Beach, number seven, is wrapped up, so now I can finish the last four issues, binge all those. Eventually, maybe I'll get, we'll give you a Cemetery Beach podcast. Can't say for sure. It depends on... The talking points, I find. It was a crazy first three issues, though, I'll give you that. Uh, another one from Graphic India. Grant Morrison's 18 Days, Karna, Legend of the Six hmm. Sons. So this is a very thick, uh, thick... Yeah, no, it's it's almost like a mini-trade type of thing. Oh, nice. Uh, no, that looks... I picked it up because it looks like something you'd be into, or even you, Mason. Yeah, but it's Grant Morrison, so I'm sure it's great. So, yeah, no, there's definitely... Stuff, you know... Looks really interesting based off the cover. Yeah? Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, only a $4 price tag at that type of quality. Wow. Right? Yeah, for sure. So, uh, did you have any honorable mentions? No? I think I talked about everything we're talking about. Gotcha. Well, let's get on to the shiny shit now, shall we? Yeah, I like it. Um, wall books. Don't need to explain wall books. This is, uh, I guess I'm going to continue to explain wall books. <laughs> wall books goes, they have the books that go on my wall. I'm not necessarily bought them for the story, but they, uh, I like covers. the covers. Yeah. First one, <laughs> sorry, excuse my giggle, Justice League 19. Oh, man. Rob, Rob Leafield did a uh, cover. You're going to have a Leafield on your wall. I don't think I am, actually. No? I put it in my box. It was an accidental wall book. I don't have anything that's Leafield. He just doesn't fit with my yeah, wall flow. It's not your style. Yeah, it's just, man, I don't know. I, You're I a look kind of guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm all about them feet. Oh, no. I, Superman's packing. I can tell you that much. Yeah, get a big old... Oh, yeah. No, no, yeah. no, look. Here, put it in your face. <laughs> why? <laughs> it's so big. Why? <laughs> exactly. Exactly, Leafield, why? <sighs> um, hair, lip, and all. Batman 66, this is a pretty cool cover, actually. This is one that I, I didn't order on purpose, but I wasn't mad. Uh, I forgot who the uh, cover artist is. Give me just a second. Um, oh, I know it's a good one, too. I, uh, Doc Shaner. Evan Doc Shaner. Personally, I think the Michaela Janine cover A like just might take the cake for the week. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. But this one here was, uh, it's pretty sweet, though. It's got the whole rogues gallery. The It could be placed sideways. You could hang it sideways yeah. or portrait. Or yeah, I like yeah. I know that you pointed it out when we were going through the, the hype list. Last one is Harley Quinn 59, Derek Chu again. Killing these covers, man. And once again, I picked up two. One for me, one for you. I'm going to figure out a way to give it away somehow. So, uh, yeah, this, this is uh, another landscape uh, cover that DC's doing and I'm this one's really really cool I'm not gonna lie I like the perspective shot here but yeah you oh you're looking at me like I haven't been recording the whole time or something <laughs> like you're waiting <laughs> well let's really fuck with him we'll make him lose his voice so yeah no that's what I got for wall books this week <clears throat> do you have anything sparkly nope 
No, I don't hang my comics on my wall. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Uh, you gotta, you gotta have a dark hallway. That's the key. Gotta keep. I got dark. too much sunlight in my house. Yeah. Yeah, man. So well, let's talk about our favorites. Then let's talk about covers. Let's start with cover of the week. What was your cover of the week? Anytime with Alex Ross, man. He just he just takes a cake for it. Mortal yeah. Hulk, huh? Yeah, yeah, Mortal Hulk. <laughs> I, I, man and woman embracing with that, you know, mushroom Mort- cloud with that. Hulk. Yeah, man. So good. See, I was torn. I was thinking about that, but I think really with my cover of the week, I'd have to actually go with the Galactic Ghost Rider. Oh, the Cosmic Ghost Rider. Yeah, yeah Cosmic it, Ghost it's Rider. A, it's actually. a sweet cover, man. Yeah, well, it's just it's. There's so much to look at. You can spend so much time inspecting that cover. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, yeah. No, you can easily miss a hundred things every time you look at it. You know, that's, uh, that's a good point. Mine goes to uh, Batman 66. Yeah, you already yeah. choose that one? Yeah. Mikel Janine is just... The dude has a steez, man. I like the way he uses his colors. It's uh, the, His line weight is very precise. Great man. Yeah. Well, it's, it's dope. What about interiors? Interiors? Oh, man. That's... That's hard to say. Vader. Um, I might have to actually... Uh, Vader was amazing. Vader's a good choice. Good choice. Vader's an amazing choice, but I'm going to actually have to go with Justice League. Um, Jimenez, Mr. Mixelplick making uh, the Daily Planet attack freaking Wayne Enterprises. Yeah. That's just... So imaginative, man. I gotta credit the the artistic team sure. on that. I, the artistic team really, beyond, beyond Zack Snyder taking a step back from his like oh, twisty turny ways, uh, the the art team really took two steps forward and like let's let's really make this book super interesting. So yeah, cool. The show. I'd have to give it to Liam Sharp on Green Lantern. Yeah, no, that's that's especially a, this week, man. I love that the gothic horror vibe about it. Real good. If, if I would have had the chance to actually sit down and read the book, I forgot. I, uh, nor- normally, Liam Sharp has almost always taken the cake for me. He's so talented. Yeah, yeah. No, but this this Justice League was great. What about your uh, favorite number one, like your first time pickup? Because we had a few this week. We had like Vader. We had Ronan. Uh, my first time reading. Uh, I, I want to pick Vader, but it's like not my first time to the character. So yeah, I'll give it to Ronan. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, now Ronan's definitely got my number one. Vader was amazing, but Ronan caught me by surprise. So I, I yeah, yeah, no, definitely Ronan. And uh, overall, what was your, what was your, what was the book, man? That's a tough choice. I, Avengers. I'm gonna have to get to Avengers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like the Avengers would have been the safe choice, but I am just so happy with Wrestletopia. Dude, that's <laughs> that's not a that's not far off actually. I I pondered it. I really did. I did ponder it, especially after going through and juggling it again. But I do got to give it to Justice League, Mr. Mixelplick. Yeah, both, both of ours are team books. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I know you didn't necessarily read these, Mason, but out of our extremely detailed and wonderful descriptions, what what book I really caught your eye? That about? like the. The Justice League storyline really was great, and also, like you pointed out earlier, the uh, the old man Superman, future Superman, future Justice League. That's so called future, future Superman. Yeah, badass. dude, all what of the design. Like, that's it all comes down to the fucking artist, man. Like, not only did he design the future Justice League in this book, he made the Doodly Planet eat Wayne Industries yeah, <laughs> and was, Enterprises. Yeah, good point. That was pretty good comment. It was great. 
It was great. So, Senor Jimenez, we salute you. I salute you. Um, let's, uh, should we get into next week's hype? Let's do it. Let's freaking do it, man. There, I think, I believe it to be a heavy week. I do believe it to be a heavy week. Uh, we got a number one, Calamity Kate, number one, by Magdalene Visaggio and Corin Howell. Dark Horse. Valentia Pinto, yeah, from Dark Horse. So you got to shout out a number one, especially from Dark Horse. But as far as Dark Heart goes, I think that's that's really about it. Let's jump into DC. And this is a book I've been pretty stoked on. I'm very, very curious to see how this goes. Uh, Batman Who Laughs, The Grim Knight, number one. Uh, Scott Snyder and James Tinney in the fourth. Uh, you sense my na-na-na-na as I say those names. I don't know what I'm going to get out of this. Sure. Uh, and Eduardo Riso. And by no means am I trashing the guys. They just have a very... When they work together, I just sometimes... I don't and know what I'm going to get. Gabriel Del Otto cover? Ooh. Sexy. Well, that Del Otto is something else. And as a matter of fact, I might have ordered a couple. Nice. Yes. Uh, Catwoman, number nine. This one, we don't have Joelle Jones. This is, uh, I think she's taking a break for a second. She will be back, I believe. But we've got Ram V and John Timms on this one. But an Art Dream uh, variant coming, so, yeah. Cool. Uh, cover, all right. This is going to be hard to comprehend. Cover six, number six. <laughs> what? Yeah. Brian Michael Bendis and David Mack. So this is one of DC's, like... You know, like Alias kind of was or whatever. It's it's whatever. The book's called Cover 6. It's a six-part series, so this is the last whatever. Speaking of six, Flash number 66. Oh, DC, you're fucking with me here. Uh, <laughs> Joshua Williamson and Scott Collins. Um, are you going to keep reading Flash? I think I've got enough DC. I've got so much on my reading. I've, I've got enough DC, man, especially this week. Justice League Dark, number nine, James Kenny the Fourth, Alvaro Eduardo Martinez Bueno, Raul Fernandez. I don't know if that's all one name or not, but if it is, I salute you. <laughs> that's Red, Red Hood Outlaw, number thirty-two, by Scott Lobdell and Stephen Segovia. Yeah, no, I'm still on the fence. I'm still. I think it's. I'm pretty sure it's on my pull list, but I'm on the fence on it. And it goes back and forth with me. Yeah, every other issue. Yeah, yeah. Um, i it. This one, are you finishing out this series? I'm going to do it, yeah. Okay, Scooby, Apocalypse number 35 of 36. Keith Giffen, Heath Corson, Pat Olife, and a few others. So I am anxious for your rundown, your overview next week on this. Yeah, we'll see if I can figure out everything that's happened. I've only been reading, I've read two so far. Yeah, yeah, well, we'll, we'll see. Supergirl number 28, Mark Andreco and Eduardo Pencia. I'm sorry, the names have just been killing me tonight. Sorry, guys. Superman number 9, Brian Michael Bendis, Joe Prado, and a few others. I'm freaking loving this book. And uh, I got a Leafield variant for the, the masochist out there. I've <laughs> got Titans number 35, Dan Abnett and Bruno Redondo. Dondo. Yes. Um, this book, I can't say, you know, it's, it's a mini-series. I read the first one out of nostalgia. And not that the first one was bad. The, fir the first one was actually way better than I expected. I just don't think I have room. But I think you should make room. Wonder Twins number two, Mark Russell and Stephen Byrne. Um, if, 
Uh, if you guys get the chance to read this before we we do our next show and find it suitable, then I will make an attempt and go out and buy a copy. But I'm not going to do it without someone giving me the nudge. So, yeah. Wonder Woman 66. It's like all these books started at the same time. G. Willow Wilson, Carrie Nord, and Mick Gray. Um, are you going to try Wonder Woman yet? Nah. Me either. I've read some, but I'm off, I'm off on it. Yeah. Um, Dynamite's got some James Bond stuff. We've got number, James Bond Origin, number seven, Jeff Parker and Bob Key. IDW. Oh, it's a big week for IDW, let me tell you. we got House and Mock, number five, Christopher Sabella and Sean McManus. I told you on the last one, I was like, if issue four doesn't sell me, I'm out. Issue four sold me, so we got House and Mock. We're back in. I hope they give me some stuff to talk about because this book is supposed to be amazing. But my most anticipated book of the week goes <laughs> to the Max 100-page Giant by uh, Sir God, or Sam Keith. Sorry, I read that wrong. Um, this is a collection of what Sam Keith used to be his best, or something like that. It's nothing new, but if you're the the point of this book is to get a new Max reader, a good jumping on point tells me that if they're trying to prime some new Max readers, we might be getting some new Max stuff. I'm still waiting for them to finish Arkham Dreams, the Batman Max. Oh yeah. It's been like a month and a half a since. Time. Yeah, I'm waiting on that final issue still. Huh. So, um, but I have a feeling they wouldn't be doing this for no reason at all because it takes a lot of money to put out a hundred page book for only four dollars or five dollars. Yeah. You will read this book. And I'm not expecting you to read all hundred pages to, for review, but I, I am buying you a copy of this book because you need to be versed in Max. If you think I need to read some Max, I'll read some Max. Oh my god, you need to read some Max. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Shredder in Hell, number two. Mateus Santulawako, and that same name again. Not They're just trying to fuck with us now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, I, I, I did read and review. I don't remember if I got a review the first issue or not, but uh, I did read the first issue. I'm going to leave it to a coin toss as to whether or not I didn't pre-order this book, I don't think. If I did, then I guess I'm reading it, but I'm pretty sure I don't, yeah. We'll see. It was a, this was a very askewed turtle story, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's Shredder and Hell. I think I remember you mentioning it as an honorable mention. Uh, yeah, something like that. Another super hype book. Transformers number one. Yeah, man. Uh, Ryan Ruckley, Angel Hernandez, and Ron Joseph. Yes, yes. Uh, I guess this is a big deal. I've never read Transformers before, but... I've never read a comic, no. Loved the cartoons growing up. Oh, of course. So, I, it's, uh, we got a number one here. Uh, automatically, I say get this regardless. Uh, I'm, I'm going to. Let's check now. I, I hope that I can keep it on the list. Let's move into Image Comics now. We've got Assassination Assassin. number one. Kyle Starks and Erica Hern Henderson. That's an easy name, and you butchered it, too. <laughs> I do my best. Yeah, man. So this one here, I, I, I unfortunately I didn't pre-order it because I missed it, but just based off of the, uh, <laughs> the 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 cover and the synopsis, like there's some keywords in here like hilarious and hitman, and uh. that's a good one. Does always a good a good indication. But there, uh, uh, 
the creators have been involved in some amazing shit. It's just, I don't know. I, it's an image number one, so it's automatically, I think it's worth a shot. But I have a feeling that one's going to stick. Uh, Blackbird number six is taken off. Sam Humphreys and Jen Bartell. I'm not reading Blackbird, but I've heard good things. Uh, Gunning for Hits number three, Jeff Rogby and Mortate. I feel like this is, uh, that might have been a Brian book I, I missed. We'll find out. I don't, I'm not sure. If, if you guys know my taste at this point and feel like that's a Brian book, like Murder Falcony, then let me know. So here it's like a, uh, Hitman X music talent scout or something like that. So, could be, could be best! Yeah, I read the first one. Uh, might be up your alley. I'm not. I'm not sure on that one. No? Yeah. Oh, you did read the first one? I did oh, read the first okay. one. Oh, okay. Well, shit, I could have just asked you. You could have saved me seven seconds of airtime. Yeah. Seven late. seconds of voice. Eight, nine seconds, ten seconds of... <laughs> Murder Falcon, number six. Daniel Warren Johnson and Mike Spicer. You already know how I feel about that. Murder Falcon. Um, Out of Darkness, number five. John Lehman and Apu John. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. That's, uh, that's a Justin book. I'm loving it. Rat Queens, number 15, Curtis J. Weeb and Weeby and uh, Owen Gini. I actually read the first couple issues of this when it started way back, and I hear it's it's still amazing. So, yeah. I, I've, I've read a couple of reviews, and it sounds really good. I've never heard anything bad about it. I really haven't. Spawn Kills Everyone 2, number 4, Tom McFarlane and Will Robson. We're getting the, uh, the conclusion of uh, frickin' the goddamn... Oh, man, what do they call the clown? I forgot what they call They gave him a really cool name. The clown with the Infinity Gauntlet. That was dope. I botched it. Um, Marvel. All right, so we got another Conan title. This is a four- or five-part miniseries. This one not necessarily entailing Conan. This goes way deep into the lore. I'm not sure how deep. So we got Age of Conan, Belate... Queen of the Black Coast, Trini Howard and Kate Nemsick. So we got a female team writing about a female magic pirate. So I'm not sure I have the time to even check it out. Once again, this is one of those books. If you guys read it before we get to review it and you find it to be something that we need to talk about, you know, we could throw another 20 or 30 pages on, I guess. But Let us know. Yeah. All right. Age of X-Man, Apocalypse, and the Extracts is the last... One, right? The last well, first issue? Of the last first issue of the five miniseries going on. I know, that's a lot of numbers. Tim Seeley and Salva Espin. The good news is that Tim Seeley's writing this, so I've got some faith. Cool. Tim Seeley single-handedly actually wrote me into reading DC Comics with his Nightwing run, so blam. Sweet. Yeah, high praises. Spider-Man, number 17, Nick Spencer and Umberto Ramos. You already know we're talking about that. As Guardians of the Galaxy number 7, Cohen Bunn and Matteo Buffani. I like to think that after the last rundown, I got you hooked in on that one because it was a fun issue. By far the best issue. I like to think that 7 can stay on par, at least even gain momentum with where 6 was taking us. But I'm very excited for the first time I could say since issue 1. I'm very excited for As Guardians of the Galaxy. Another book that we're all tied to. Avengers No Road Home, number five of ten, Al Ewing and company, Mark Wade and Jim Zub, Jim Zub, along with Sean Zosky. So, 
Yeah, uh, I want to see Hulk on a horse and Nightmare and Rocket Raccoon and Hawkeye beat up uh, Hypnos. That's what's going to happen. Get it. I, I'm pretty sure that's what's going to happen. Dead Man Logan, number five, Ed Bristone and Mike Henderson. We're obviously talking about that book. We've been tied in. Of course. It's been great. It actually gets better. Marvel number one, you don't miss these. I was going to uh, intentionally miss this one until I found out who was writing it. And this writer has continuously done an amazing job of changing my minds and swaying me on characters I don't or did not necessarily enjoy. This writer being Saladin Ahmed. I did not think that I would be following the Miles Morales Spider-Man story past issue one. Now it's like my second favorite Spider-Man book. My favorite. So when he's taken over the magnificent Miss Marvel, Miss Marvel is not a character of mine at all. I G Willow Wilson just could not make that character interesting for me. Yeah. Not my character. I have a feeling Saladin Ahmed is going to actually get me starting a run of Miss Marvel. But uh, we'll go see what Minkyu Jung does in the art, too, because that's definitely going to play a part. But the fact is, I will be talking about issue number one of Magnificent Miss Marvel. Marvel Tales, number one. Marvel Tales Thor. So Marvel's going to, they're putting all these, like, 80-year celebration things of all these. I think they did the the first one they did was Black Widow. Now they're throwing a bunch of old Thor stories and stuff together. So for eight bucks, That's you get a collection. Stanley and Jack Kirby stuff. You know, yeah, right? man, classic, classic stuff. Along with a few others. Well, they're also doing like the Marvel annotated uh, Alex Ross stuff, and in this one, it looks like they chose uh, Angel from the X Men. So he's just like Alex Ross randomly doing his his thing or like his old stuff and putting it all together. I'm not sure how it works, to be honest. I am not actually reading it because it's, uh, it's it's I like to old oh, new stuff you know not revisit old stuff at least to you guys. Moving along, Old Man Quill number three, Ethan Sachs and Robert Gill, obviously reading that yep. high praises. I want to see this this uh, this wasteland story carry on. I want to see what other kind of cameos that Sachs throws in there. Who knows? Maybe he'll resurrect Tony Stark. <laughs> Punisher number or volume eleven number nine Matthew Rosenberg and Susan Kradansky. my favorite Marvel book it's just that freaking good and I think this yeah, is the start of a new now. one yeah he's out of prison now so I don't know if this is the end of the current run or if this is going to be the start of the new arc is what I mean to say not run arc so I don't know but okay. this is fun stuff man more spider stuff spider Gwen, Ghost Spider, number six. Shauna McGuire and Takeshi Maiaza. So finally, I think we're getting the uh, not Spider-Verse, Spider-Gwen. I think we're finally getting her story. Cool. So, and it's, it's issue five was fun. We're, we're learning uh, new powers and everything. Her symbiote can turn into a whole bunch of other little spiders. And it's mm, fun stuff. Spider-Man Deadpool number 47, Robbie Thompson and Matt Harak. You've never mentioned that book before. Well, that's because uh, it's been been determined that this run will end at issue number 50. So get it while the getting's good. Burpeter, Uncanny X-Men Winter's End number one, Sienna Grace and Nathan Stockman. So more X-Men, just single stuff they're just throwing at us. This is an Iceman story, I believe. Probably going to read it just because I'm so 
<laughs> into Uncanny X-Men right now and all the mutants. I think I just got a lot of making up to do from not reading any mutants in the 90s. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of to read. Oh, yeah. Uh, we've got, I believe this is the last one for Winter Soldier. It is. Uh, number four, Kyle Higgins and Rod Reese. Yeah. Yeah. I'm anxious to see how you wrap that up for me. Uh, X-23, number 10, Mariko Tamaki and Diego Orlatagwe. I am very, very, very much enjoying this book. And, yes. Uh, let's move out of Marvel and into the Independence. The last one I want to talk about is a Rick and Morty book. Or, no, I'm sorry. Second to last. Uh, let's talk about some Go-Go Power Rangers first. Because <laughs> I am very, very into this book. Number 18 from Boom Studios, Ryan Perot, and Eleonora Carlini. And then, and then we talk about Rick and Morty. <laughs> Jerry, man, Jerry gets a book. Makes his own series. He totally does. And based off of all of the uh, random Rick and Morty stuff that I've read thus far, like the Dungeons and Dragons and all of that shit, I just have to automatically assume that I fucked up by not pre-ordering this book. Uh, I'm betting it's like a four or five part mini, but Rick and Morty presents Jerry, and as dope as they made Jer Jim Zub made Jerry in the Dungeons and Dragons thing, I like to think that Ryan Ferrier and CJ Cannon make him quite the opposite, oh, and the course. Jerry that we all have grown to uh, despise. <laughs> so yeah, that is what we are excited for. We would. Do you have any? Anything else that I might have missed, man? I think I covered it all. Uh, what, what's your most anticipated book of the week? I already told you mine. It's that Max Hunter Page Giant. Like, that's my... Mm. <sighs> Nothing comes up to the top of my head. I'm just looking forward to them all. Yeah? Mason, was there anything that you got that popped out to you, man? No? No. All right. Well, Excuse guys... A lack of speech there. I oh. had some uh, air problems. Yeah. No, you're just choking. It's cool. We let, we let that shit go. Um, we none of us know CPR. So I don't. <laughs> you're not liable. Um, yeah. Do you have anything else you want to talk about, man? And that covers it. Yeah. No. It's uh, it's been a it's been a good week. There's a lot of stuff to talk about next week. That's for damn sure. Um, I would like to once again shout out uh, Invasion of Planet WrestleTopia. Thank you for sending me your stuff. I enjoyed it. Yes, we did. And, uh, yeah, we're going to post all your stuff. We're going to let everybody know where to get their stuff. we got websites, all that good stuff, merch. And once again, free comic book day. Like, that's pretty that's fucking exciting. cool. <laughs> that's way cool. And other than that, you guys know where to find us, man. Podbean, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Google Play, iTunes. All the places. All of the places on the Internet. So, with that being said, I think it's time we end the podcast, and oh shit, only a couple hours this time, so thank you so much for listening, we'll talk to you next week, we've got more extra content too, before the next big episode, so surprise, not really, well, cheers, uh, I've got to say the thing, um, uh, keep responsibly, <laughs> oh yeah, Mason, you can fucking, bam, here we go, this is our podcast, guys.